so this is the November Scott podcast. Uh, my name is Andrew Riley, and I am with Scott Craig from DC Fitness. How are you doing? I'm good, thanks. Uh, just out the gym. Yeah. Hence why it's a wee bit late. Sunday mornings, right? I know, Sunday. but it's I'm a time all... for rest. It's a day of rest. Nah, I, I quite like training on a Sunday morning because when I'm training during the week, I train myself quite a lot. Sure. Because I have clients in the morning, clients in the evening. Mm. I'll train in between, but there's nobody in the gym at that time because it's not. I don't work in a, a public gym where people just go in and train whenever they want. I work in a gym where there's set classes. Sure. So there's either set classes in the AM or the PM, and I'm coaching one to one throughout the day. But when I'm training, there's nobody there. So okay. I train myself quite a lot. I train with Stella, who I work with, uh, once or twice a week. And then Sunday morning is open gym. So the members can just come into the gym and do their own thing. So that's a members only, is that? Members only. Cool. You can drop in and pay if you want to come and train. Like I'll bring a pal. Sure. Um, if people are like traveling and they're in Glasgow and they see the gym and they want to train, they could come in and pay whatever and just train. Cool. Um, so yeah, but I like going in on a Sunday morning because there's other guys there. Like I trained with one of the guys, one of the members today and you just get a better you get a better workout when you're training with someone because you're trying to push against them. It's almost like competition. Sure, I was going to say, Jack, you prefer working out by yourself or working with someone else? Man, in all honesty, a bit of both. Um, <clears throat> working out by myself with my own music, you know, mm. as you know, I'm into my music. Yeah, 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 yeah. Always have been a big part of my life. And um, when I've got the headphones in, the songs that I want to listen to in my ears, you know, heavy stuff, mm pop punk stuff upbeat stuff that i love it pushes me on and I, I you know i can get in my own space and have the time of my life as maybe we'll talk about a bit later it's um you know it's it's one of the things that make me happiest in life is training so on my own with somebody it doesn't really matter i'm having a good time but on the flip side when you're training with someone especially with the type of training i do mm. you you push harder you don't get, a, you, you don't rest as much, you don't fuck about in your phone in between sets. Um, like today, the guy I was working with, we'd done a bit of deadlifting, so it was like, I went, he went, I went, he went, there was no f- messing about. Mm. Am I okay to swear? <laughs> I, I swear a lot on my podcast, um, and I just didn't want to uh, swear too much on yours. But yeah, so Not he went, right. I went, and then we'd done some other heavy stuff, like squat cleans, and then we had like a 16-minute arm wrap, which is just as many rounds as possible of rowing, dumbbell cleans and going and press and barbell cleans. And that was just all out. Do as many reps as you can for 16 minutes. So if I was on my own, I wouldn't have done as much as what I'd done as he was pushing beside me. I was trying to beat sure. him, basically. <laughs> okay, no, that makes absolute sense. Somebody else pushing you along. I am the exact same when I do get there. If somebody else isn't, I do kind of lose interest. My yeah. head may go somewhere else and I don't get anywhere near evidently anything done that probably what it should be it's easy to happen like you know yourself if you're in training with me mm-hmm. as a coach yeah i tell you what to do you do it Agreed. you get an hour of kicking your ass basically and you work hard you've felt sick during those hours you've been sweating you've felt like passing out sometimes yeah. you go on your own you don't have that you've got your phone you can get a bit i, I do it as well mm-hmm. do you know what i mean I, some sessions it should take an hour sometimes take an hour and a half because i just end up in Sitting down for 10 minutes thinking about nothing. <laughs> Social media mode. Yeah. Very much, yeah. yeah. Cool. All right. Well, from going from your love of training. Yeah. That didn't start off as a love of training. No. Nope. So this was how many years ago did you 
did you make the change? I guess the change that I would. How, if you don't mind me asking, what was the heaviest you were at when you first, when you decided to change? Yeah, so I remember tipping the scales at 17 and a half stone at one point. And I remember that day I was in my dad's house. I never had scales in Mm. my own place. Um, And I knew I was like, I always was maybe between 16 and 17. Sure. Of like body fat, like there was no muscle there at this point. I didn't train. I went to the gym now and again when I had that burst of motivation, but I'd never had any lean mass. It was 16, 17 stone of body fat. Um, so I always kind of knew I was about there. And then I stepped on one day and I saw 17 and a half and I was like, what? Yeah. <laughs> Shit. Um, that was the heaviest. And even at that, I went to the gym for about two or three weeks and then it stopped again. Sure. Um, and then I started uh, properly. Um 2012 nearly the end of 2012 and then it really started in the start of 2013 mm-hmm. when i went that was when i went just and it never stops yeah. <laughs> see i think a lot of people need that kind of kick to it because i stop and start and with you one thing in life gets in the way for me it was random crap with the house it was random crap with work it was changing of jobs it was stuff that kind of got in the way but i shouldn't have let it kind of get in the way from stopping my training and i was when I was training with you before, I was I think the heaviest I was about eighteen something, and I managed to get down to. I was looking at actually old notes the other day. It was yeah. just over, just under seventeen. So it was sixteen. It was something. sixteen something. I remember. And that was I was like, yeah, and I'm back up to like eighteen something now. Right. But that's just for bad habits. Night shift doesn't help. Eating shite doesn't help. Um, but I do need. I have recently. I've got that kick to get back into it again. But it's still nowhere near a hundred percent. I'm going to do it. Yeah. And that's I, I need to get past that stage. Yeah, and I think a lot of people are also they go to the gym every once a week. They get that free trial membership. They get the stuff, and they kind of just fizzles out into nothing. What made you stick with it? I mean, you first went the first few weeks. Maybe it was yeah. hard, tough. What made you decide to? Yeah, keep I mean, going. The, the situation you're finding yourself in, like you're not alone there. No. Everybody does that. Yeah. Like at some stage. There's people that pay gym memberships literally to never go, mm. or maybe like mm. once every three months. I think I don't know if like paying it. I used to do it. I paid forty pound a month to a health club membership, and um, this was before pure gyms and all that. Right, right. Yeah. Um, with the intentions of I'm going to get going, I'm going to start, I'm going to get back into it, and it just never happened. Um, we'll probably touch on it a bit later on the podcast. Um, I had. Uh, an ongoing issue with alcohol from mm. the ages of kind of 17 to 25. Um, and that was the thing for me that always messed my plans of getting into sure. great shape up. But yeah, you're not alone. You know, everybody does it. Um, and I done it. I had gym memberships from probably the age of about 20, 21, all the way through those years. And I lost a bit of weight and then I'd gain a bit of weight and mm. I'd lose a little bit and then I'd put it back on just because I was never consistent. Anyone can lose weight. It's pretty easy to lose weight. You just need to change some dietary habits, start exercising and you will instantly lose weight. Yeah, yeah. That isn't the hard part. The hard part is continuing that on and keeping it off. When I was when I was young, I was a football daft. Football every day of my life pretty much. I was so I was active. And yeah. I didn't have a great appetite. I didn't eat loads of crap. I didn't I'd crave junk food all the time um i would get cooked healthy dinners at home um as a kid and stuff so i was always in good shape like i was thin mm. i was healthy because i was playing football 
all the time. I was playing for teams, so I was playing like 90 minutes on a Saturday. I was training twice through the week. I was playing with my pals every other day. So yeah. I was so active. I had a bike and stuff like that, cycling about. Always, you know, as you are as a kid, you just walk about, you run right. about everywhere, right. playing in the park, whatever it is. So I never had a weight issue when I was younger. Um, and then I got to 17 and I discovered alcohol. Um, and that was it. I started drinking, I stopped football, started boozing regularly, and I actually put a post up on Instagram last week of 17 to 18. Yeah, I saw that. That was the difference. Before. It's, yeah. pr- it's pretty bad, isn't yeah. it? Like 17, I'm a, I'm a, you know, in good shape. Yeah. Uh, I look well, I look good, I look healthy. And then 18, I'm just like, you know, I'm really overweight. Mm. You know, I just look uncomfortable. I'm wearing a top that I'm not comfortable because you can see I'm trying to kind of trying to you know posture myself to yeah. make myself look. Not trying to do that right now. <laughs> But no, I, I completely agree that that is booze is definitely one of the biggest things that happened to me as well. Because I was in the air cadets when I was younger, yeah. and I was looking at old photos where I was actually quite not thin, but I was like fit because we were doing stuff every weekend. We were running about. Then I moved to Glasgow from air. I uh, discovered Glasgow's music scene in one way or another, including yourself and uh, yours. My actions, your exit. One point. Yeah. Great band. Thanks. Uh, <laughs> but you do. You end up going to a lot of gigs. You end up going to a lot of bars. Yeah. You end up going to wherever. Um, and that was just downhill from there pretty much you were hung over to do anything and then you kind of woke up early enough to go out again that night and just get yeah happened again and again of course man yeah. so like and then i got fat that's my <laughs> that's there was my. there was two there was, there was two things for me the one that uh, i had a problem with alcohol as soon as i started drinking right and two i was in the music scene yeah. i was in a band and it was kind of it was chaos, man. <laughs> it was madness, and what came with the band scene was parties, was, you know, partying in clubs after the gigs, taking it back to someone's house, mm-hmm. and then, you know, for, for me, it was carrying on for a day or two after. Um, I had a job where I could turn up drunk if I, if I can get away, could get away with it, right. um, or I could maybe get away with just phoning in sick, you know, just... Um, how it kind of went and so those two things put together mixed with no more activity I wasn't exercising I wasn't playing football I just gained weight as you see in those pictures I looked terrible in the space of a year and then it kind of only got worse from that point on I'd moved out so I'd stayed with my parents up until I was 18 and as soon as I turned 18 pretty much it was like two months after my 18th birthday I had a flat in Kelvin Grove west end of Glasgow with two of my friends Terrible combination. Yeah. Yeah, it's too much freedom. Too much freedom. I was even only working part-time because I was at college or supposed to be at college. Um, So I I had, I was just boozing, man. I was boozing all the time. Uh, And my health got worse. And my mental health got worse. And then, yeah, it went from bad to worse, essentially. Fast forward to 20... Four, and just coming to the end of being twenty four before I turned twenty five, and I decided to stop drinking mm. through a number of reasons, and 
that's when the weight loss kind of started. As soon as I stopped drinking, I wasn't intaking those thousands of calories of yeah. alcohol anymore. Uh, so I instantly dropped a lot of weight. Um, I actually dropped a lot of weight the year before because I stopped drinking for five weeks the year before I f- properly stopped drinking because I tried at that point. Sure. So five weeks of no drinking. I went to the gym those five weeks and I lost like a stone or something like that. Yeah. Like instant change. How hard were those five weeks? Brutal. Yeah. Um, and all I say I stopped drinking, I, I, w- I was... I was sneakily drinking behind people's mm. backs and stuff. My friends thought I'd stopped. And I, I did, but not completely. I was like kind of having a sneaky sure. drink here and there. But um, I think it would be worse if you just stopped. Like if your whole body just shut down or something you're so used to then. Yeah. If you were doing it gradually, bit by bit, even if it was giving everyone else again a false alarm, that probably what made you stick with it. Yeah. Because you didn't just cut it off completely. Yeah. I think if I cut it off completely, I would want it more. Like if I just cut out all the junk, I think that's what now. that's kind of what happened. In all honesty, back then because I got to a point where like my mental health was really fucking bad, man. Right. Um, so bad, didn't realize even how bad until looking back from now being sober and a clear head and sure. you know how I feel now and stuff like that. It was really bad, so I, I stopped. But I, I never told myself it would be forever. I just said I want to lose a bit of weight. I want to feel a bit better. I did, but. It made me want it more, as you say. So mm. when my birthday came, that at that point, I'd been off it for five weeks. I always told myself, I'll have a drink at my birthday. Right. Well, fuck me. I can't even remember <laughs> my birthday because I hit it so hard. I can't even, I genuinely can't remember like that week. I just drank, I, I was off work and I just, I literally drank the whole week. I was waking up, boozing from the minute I woke up, going out at night, and uh, it got worse. Then, when I stopped the next time, mm. was at a point where I told myself, this has to be it. It yeah. has to, now has to be forever. It can't be a, oh, well, maybe drink in the future. It has to end. Um, so, again, I, I'd lost. I actually, the weight I'd lost the, the previous time, I actually kind of kept off because when I was, I was boozing heavily, but I wasn't really eating because I was sure. like, I don't want to put this weight back on. So, like, I would go through a day and eat, like, a pack of cold meat and, like, some eggs <laughs> and salad but, Balance out with the booze but then, I'd be, yeah. and then I'd be boozing and, and taking those calories that I'm missing through food through booze but I wasn't gaining weight I was kind of maintaining where I was sure. at so I looked a bit better to be honest but yeah. um, but the mental health side of things got worse that year and then yeah decided to chuck it all together um, did I th- I told myself it'd be forever did I think did I know it'd be forever I don't know because anything in life that was sent to test me a turn to booze so who knows if i would have stayed off it completely but two two months after i stopped my dad died right. so that was the catalyst for the the actual lifestyle change the actual sort your life out sure you not know, anything like that do way. not yeah. go back the way you can't go back the way you know when my dad died it was a uh, it was a sudden thing. There was no illness. There was no warning. Me and my dad had a. We were best friends, but we also had a, a bit of a rocky relationship because of my boozing. Because I just let him down all the time through drinking and being drunk and causing bother through being drunk and not turning up to things sure. we would go to the football every week there'd be weeks where i'd just be still wrecked in the car 
where he could smell it and see the state of me or I wouldn't wake up he'd be there to pick me up with his pals and I just wouldn't be, I'd be, be knocked out Yeah. Uh, and my phone would be off or I wouldn't answer so he'd then have to just go without me he'd then have to try and sell my ticket you know they'd be running late and I'd mm. do that quite a lot man um, but he always forgave me but then become pals again yeah. and I'd do it again you know so um, but we, but at the bottom of it all, we were really good friends, and we would spend a lot of time together at the football. Um, I would go to his, and maybe just hang out, just like pals, you know. So sure. we, as much as I fucked up our relationship quite a lot, and he, you know, I put him through a, a lot of fucking shit. We at the end of it all, as I say, we were best pals, and when I stopped drinking, you know, he was very proud of that because by the time it came to me stopping, he knew. Because obviously for your family, you hide it. You don't. Uh, I'm living with my pal. I'm not living with my family. They're not seeing me be reckless week on week on week. They're sure. just, he's seen it in, in bits of like getting too wrecked at a family event and causing bother or not turn up to football. But he's not seen me drinking through the week or the full extent, the full extent yeah, no, you know, blacking out, ending up waking up in a police cell, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, so yeah, he's, um, so he, 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 but what happened was one day where, so he worked in the bank, I worked in the bank, he was quite high up. Mm. So when I wasn't turning up, it was felt he would, he would find yeah. out, <laughs> couldn't get away from it. Sure. So there was one, there was one night, I went out on a Wednesday night, ended up, it was a death of van, I get the O2 ABC, done the usual, convinced myself I could have a few pints. You've got work in the morning, ah, it's all right, I'll have a few, mm. we'll go up the road, but I'd already had a lot of bevy before the gig, sure. bevied at the gig, five, six, seven pints, don't, can't remember, and then obviously I went out after the gig, drank all night, went home, opened a bottle of Jack Daniels, and next thing I knew, it was kind of six in the morning, next thing I know, I'm waking up, it's 12 in the afternoon, I was due in the bank at 9am, my dad's trying to kick my front door down. Because everything thinks something's happened to me because I'm not answering my phone. I've not turned up for work. Yeah, I'm passed out, man. You know that's that's it. So that he got in to the flat. I wake up. I'm still fucking drunk, and I just had to be honest with him. I just had to tell him the truth. I couldn't hide it anymore. Mm. I used to always hide it. I used to always go, "I'm fine, man." It was just somebody's birthday, and it just got a bit out of hand, or. I've had a bad I've had a bad week in work. I was just letting go, but sure. I had to tell him the truth. I had to say I need help. You know, this is bad. I fucking feel terrible, and I've really got to sort this shit out. Um, and that wasn't even when I sorted it out either. I kept I kept going again. I went I, I went and moved in with him for a wee bit Probably to, the best to get myself yeah. kind of sorted, but it still went on for a bit after that, and then. Um, so yeah, I stopped. I did. So basically, I stopped um, May May seventh, two thousand twelve. So I had a good couple of months where I wasn't drinking, and he was so mm. happy about that. You know, I remember being out for my birthday in the start of July, and I, you know, we, we went for a, like a a meal kind of thing, and uh, he was like, "You having a pint?" Because it was my birthday. I think he thought I was just going to drink, sure. drink, and yeah. I went. No, I'm de- I'm not doing it. I'm 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 gonna stay off it. And I was, he was like, so 
shocked but really happy. Good. And then I had a couple of nights out after that, and he would ask me, "Did you drink?" I was like, "No, nope, stayed stayed sober. I've not drank at all." He was like super chuffed. And then twenty eighth of July, it was a Saturday. I was in my flat. Just I was playing FIFA with my flatmate Nathan at the time, yeah. and uh, my other pal Mackie was in the flat with me. I got a phone call from my sister. I was like, I guess "Afternoon, sometime in the afternoon." I'm like, "What's my sister phoning me for?" Mm. A Saturday afternoon. Answered it. Well, that was that. She's you know she, I've been told dad went dad went out to play golf, had a heart attack and died. You know that's it. Life has fucking changed. Literally spoke to him on the phone the night before, you know. Uh, we were going to the football on the Sunday morning and um, spoke to him the night before. I had a night out the night before with the, the branch colleagues, and again, he was like, You're going to have a booze? I was like, I oh, know, I'm not. And he was like, Oh, brilliant, brilliant, well done. Um, see you on Sunday morning, pick you up, blah, blah, blah. Uh, yeah, that was it. Last time I spoke to him, Fancy. woke up, sorry, got the phone call on Saturday, and that was it. So, Meltdown ensued, obviously, um, and I said I turned to my mate after I'd initially stopped, like the everyone, yeah, just yeah. the kind of rolling about the floor, crying and screaming. Um, I turned to my mate and I says, "I'm going to get booze. I'm going to I'm going to Tesco. I was at Tesco across the road from the flat, and you know I don't, you know, and he was just like, man, got you got to do what you got to do. He was in no place to tell me not to do it. You know, I was like." Yeah, no. I was fucking, you know, yeah. I was a mess, um, and I, I picked up my keys and I was like, fucking, what are you doing, man? Can't do that. My sister was 12 at the time, my little sister, mm. and uh, my, my big sister, when I spoke to the phone, was like, okay, I'll come and pick you up soon, so get some shit ready. Yeah. And I was like, can't turn, I can't go there pissed, you know, my yeah. sister's 12, like, I need to be there for her, I need to be there for everybody else, you know. So, uh, yeah, I didn't do it. Good. Didn't do it. Awesome. And uh, so the next, like, obviously, I was off work grieving and stuff, sorting out my dad's funeral and all the rest of it. So I ended up off work for six weeks. I would try to go back after two weeks and I lasted half an hour, man, because, like, everybody in the bank knew my dad. He was one of these guys that everybody knew. He'd been there for 35 years good guy, they loved him, he wasn't a guy who worked in one place, he was about everywhere, so everyone knew Douglas Craig, he was like, if he's pal, if they liked him, so as soon as I was back to work, if he's like, your dad was a great man, I'm really sorry, I was just like, fuck, I can't you do, do can't turn a corner cannot, it. Yeah, cannot do this. So I, I I went home again that day, and I went to offer six weeks, so six weeks of no working, a lot of time to yourself, a lot of time to think, Man, it was so hard to not turn to booze. That can go either way. Of course, man. And what yeah. it went, and thankfully, I chose to take responsibility for once in my life instead of just taking the easy option. Because mm. I would have fucking killed myself, man. Like if I was, if I turned back to booze at that point. I don't mean like intentionally. No, no, yeah. You but would I would have. You wouldn't be able to stop. I wouldn't have ended yeah. up back. I couldn't have went back to work. I would have probably been boozing to get myself through it all every day. So it was either that or, you know, do the right thing, make your family proud, make your dad proud, sort of shout. Um, and I've chose the gym. I joined the gym, and I went to counselling. And I was actually, I'd actually booked counselling before my dad died, right. through the alcohol sure, sure. addiction yeah. counselling, because I was struggling as much as I was doing it. I was hard, man. Like, 
Um, I wanted to drink all the time and managed to not, but didn't change the fact that I wanted to. So I'd got, um, I'd spoke to, I went to the GP and got a thing for a, a counsellor. And then, but because my dad had then died since, mm. I got counselling for alcohol addiction and bereavement. Luckily, the girl that was booked in with said she could do that. She okay. could help with both. So I got six six weeks of that and went I joined the gym. And you think that made a big difference, the actual counselling? Yeah, I think, it, think it did. I think it did because it's really hard to open up to your friends and family about your issues. Sure. Like, it's embarrassing to tell someone at 24, 25 years old that you've got a problem and that you know the, you're feeling these things and the way you you way you've acted and mm. it's hard man so i think talk sitting talking to someone who didn't know me didn't know my family didn't know anything about me yeah. i just get shit off my chest it helped man you know it really helped and then mixed that with the the, the gym mm. which was giving me this sense of accomplishment like you're actually doing something positive. You're actually sticking it out. You're not going to the gym and then going to the pub, you know. Um, yeah. you're at, you know, I was feeling really, I was feeling mentally good. Um, I was feeling better. I was losing a bit of weight. Um, and that's how it's. That's how I kept. That's how it kept it. So my situation, yeah. oh, granted, is a little bit different because I had this massive life event. Yeah. That made me this determined person because it was either. Go back to the booze or fucking hit the gym and, you know, Change make your something of yourself, you know. And I was in that gym and I was like, nothing's going to stop me. I'm going to fucking smash this. Mm. I had this determination I'd never had before. And that's why a little bit different for me in that sure. sense. But at the same time, like, you know, people, with, people that use work, stress, mm as an excuse to not go to the gym. 100%. To go and eat, eat on the couch, takeaways and alcohol and stuff. Yep. That's the same. It's, just, it's not as it's not as crazy, I think. It's not as a mean, meaningful thing, but it's that you can use that in the same energy of, sure. I've got this pent-up stress and anger. Instead of taking it out with food mm-hmm. and make myself feel worse, I'm going to go and feel good about myself and release the stress and emotion. And that's what I try and do in my job now to... To, to to use my experiences to help people, you know, beat their problems, albeit it might be through work, it might be alcohol, it might be drugs, it might be um, relationships, work, whatever. But sure. at, the, at the end of it all, the message is exercise is this thing that can make you feel amazing on top of the world. Um, you just got to go do it. You got to go and do yeah. it. And the better, the more, the more I felt I was... I was pushing myself and um, losing weight, feeling better, looking better, fitting into better clothes. The more I just was more determined, you know. I was just like, "Gotta keep going, gotta keep going." Sure, no, I could not agree. Or the fact when I lost that weight with you before, that was that did drive and push me over, and then I allowed, I allowed a change of job to just take that away completely. Yeah, allowed moving house completely take that away, and I just never thought i had the time to get back into it again when i probably did yeah i just moved stuff around again so we all have the time man although i will say there are valid excuses to not do it you know stress moving house is a 
really stressful thing. Yeah. You know, what That was three years ago. I kind of need to get over it. Well, you <laughs> I know, at, at the time, yeah. I, I don't, mate, to be honest, you fucking killed me, man, because you came in and you'd done so uh, well. Uh, and then you're like, oh, you know, I've changed jobs. I'm going to, I'll need to take a wee bit of time off. And I was yeah. like, fuck. I was like, because I, I was like, you're doing so well. I know for a fact you're going to gain your weight back because oh, you're 100%. not going to keep going to the no. gym. So yeah. I was like, damn it, man, you know. Not for me as like a coach for like getting paid or anything like that. Gen- you you know me. I'm in work. Sure, I'm in yeah. work to help people. Yeah, I get paid because it's my job and I need to pay bills. But I have a passion to help people. It's part of like the recovery of me. Mm-hmm. Is like my fulfillment comes from helping other people get their goals the way that I change my life around. So I was like just gutted because. It was actually, I think, that was your second time anyway. Because <laughs> you started that, before. That been round two at that point. Yeah, you yeah, started yeah, before, yeah. chucked it. The time before you lost weight as well, chucked yeah. it, put the weight back on, came back, lost a, over a stone and a bit. Yeah. And then it, then, then, then it kind of happened again. And I was like, fair enough, but I was gutted, man, because you were doing well and I was excited to see you lose another couple of stone. I know, and it definitely the motivation was there. It was the main motivation... Uh, because recently with all the video and everything, I've worked with a couple of PTs and a couple of fitness people. And when I spoke to them, like, oh, so did you start just fit from school? Yeah. So like we did fitness at school. We did, I was on B. I was just always fit. And I was like, right, that. And part of me thinks so that they know what they're doing. They've done it all their life. But no one, none of them have actually went the stages from being where I am yeah. to where I want to be. Um, which, which I think this is why probably you're one of the best people for it. Yeah, that's why I'm fascinated with the story. Yeah, yeah. So this is what you've been building up to is obviously the Iron Man stuff. Of course, yeah. Right, this is just you just did the second one or the first one. Very first one. Very I first did. One? I done a half Iron Man last year. So, right. but that that isn't it's it's an Iron Man event, but you don't get to be an Iron Man after okay, a half okay. Iron Man. Full Iron Man is where it's at to be Iron Man. Right. Uh, okay. So that was that was just there in July. Yeah, done the half last year. Um, so obviously you've been training for when did you think I want to do the full Ironman when did that start training wise it it goes back literally years and years it's been something that I've been working towards knowing for four years but really six years because when I joined so I joined the gym as I was talking about Mm -hmm. there after my dad passed and stuff and you know I, I was using it for mental health keep myself right sure. and lose weight because I was I did want to lose weight I did want to look better I went through my whole adult life 17, 18 to 24, 25 hating how I looked mm-hmm. not comfortable with girls not comfortable I didn't even go on holidays one because I didn't trust myself not to fall off a balcony or something like <laughs> I'm being serious man I'm not kidding when I say that I would be that guy who would get too drunk and hurt themselves on holiday you know in sure. a foreign country that's why I didn't fucking go yeah, plus I had ability. no plus I had no money to do it either because I was spending all my money on boozing but so I had that um, summertime hated that you know wanted to wear a nice t-shirt sure. and I'd be wearing big shirts and jumpers and hoodies and melting heat because then people would say you weren't that you weren't that big you know why were you? but that, I, that's how I felt about myself yeah, you know yeah. and that's what matters it doesn't matter if other people didn't think my friends and of course my friends are going to say that to me but I felt that way because I was I was cutting about the guys they were so thin and they were wearing like the girls jeans at the time you know yeah, the, yeah, the, yeah. The, the hardcore kind of scene the really tight jeans the really tight t-shirts 
I wanted to do it. That's, that sounds ridiculous, but I wanted to wear clothes like that, and I couldn't. I couldn't even go to Top Man buy jeans because they can. I didn't fit in their biggest size. Yeah. The larges, the extra larges. You know, I didn't feel comfortable in in the t-shirts. So, and that's just how I felt. Um, I think because when I was like, six, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, in the band and stuff, mm. um, I was thin and I and I did feel good and I and I felt I looked I, I looked good yeah. on stage and stuff like that. To, to, I went from that to a guy who was who was embarrassed to be on stage, and again, I would always be wearing clothes I didn't want to wear, but just because I didn't want to jump about stage with a t-shirt on and people uh, see you jiggling. Aye, uh, that's essentially it, man. So, um, so yeah, going back to like Iron <laughs> Iron Man. So I joined the gym for those purposes, and then I just got this obsession. To be honest, like. Right. I've come to realise recently that I, I did replace one addiction with the other. Oh yeah, I mean it's yeah. definitely like a, if it had taken going on booze hit you that quickly, it's like a, a addictive personality. That yeah, you clearly have, but you put it in the right places. Like yeah, Jim and I went and it's the best thing ever. Yeah, yeah. I done I done a podcast with my friend Jordan last week who ended up he's an, alco- he's an alcoholic. He ended sure. up on drugs as well and rehab and stuff. And he said a line that kind of hit me, and he was like, "We are not normal." He's like, w- "You know, we're not normal. We have these addictive personalities." Yeah. He's now running sub three-hour marathons and fifty-mile ultra runs and stuff like that, which is that makes me tired just thinking about that. It makes me tired as well, <laughs> but that's what keeps him right through giving up drinking sure. drugs, you know, and um. So yeah, I got mad into it, and um, but I loved it. It just made me feel happy, you know. And I'd never really felt that before because drinking made me happy, mm-hmm. but in the long run, made me worse. It made me really depressed and made me fucked up in the head. Um, yeah, at the time it was good. But this, it was the only thing yeah. that made me feel good. Hence why I'd done it so much. Hence why I was craving it all the time because I felt like shit, and I was like. I need to get drunk because it makes me feel better. I was out with my mates going, Bleh, you know, it's good laugh. Uh-huh. But then I'd be drinking on my own after that all night through the night, waking up the next day, you know. So, it's so it wasn't was just a social thing, it was like no, constantly all no. day. I mean, don't get me wrong, I wasn't waking up and drinking vodka all day, every day. I had a, I held down jobs my whole yeah. life. Very lucky to hold down jobs, me. I had through people covering for me a lot and liking me as a person mm. and knowing I wasn't a bad person deep down, but this thing was getting a hold of me and I would get covered for quite a lot. Um... But anyway, what was the saying? Iron Man. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I got mad into the gym and stuff. So, but I was only doing weights and a bit of like hit training cardio-wise. But I was still in the bank, obviously, at this point. And um, I'd lost a chunky weight. You know, I was looking like a different person by this point. So I've done work. Knows me as like the healthy guy now. I'm coming in with the chicken and broccoli, drinking water all day, and going straight to the gym every day. You know, so everybody knows me as the fit guy now from the fat guy, the fit guy. And um, so a woman turns around one day and goes, "Scott, the bank are looking for people to do the London Triathlon for the bank charity Alzheimer's Society." You train all the time. Why don't you do it? So I was like, triathlon, what's that? Swimming, cycling, running. I was like, I don't do any of that. I just lift some weights and do a bit of hit training on a treadmill. Then I looked at the page and it was um, it was the anniversary of my dad dying, 
and the, my dad's dad had Alzheimer's, my granddad. So no brainer, man. Had yeah, to do it. Yeah. <laughs> had to do it. Um, I only had two months to train for it, and I actually made a mistake because it, they were looking for folk to sign up to the sprint distance. I signed up to the Olympic distance. <laughs> so what's the for the novices and as so well? So tri- Olympic, Olympic distance triathlon is a fifteen hundred meter swim in open water. Well, not all open water, but this one was a 40 kilometre cycle and a 10k run. So at this point, I've not swam since I was a kid. Mm-hmm. I've not cycled an actual bike. I've only been on a bike in the gym mm-hmm. or when I was a kid. And the most running I've done is football or hit training on the treadmill. Sure. So I've got two months to learn how to swim get conditioning on a bike for something that's going to take me, I don't know, I think at that point it probably took me a couple of hours, and then run endurance 10k. But I was just in the mindset now that I could do anything. Yeah. You know, I was like, nothing's going to stop me. Which is a good mindset. Of course, because I would have shot out it if I didn't <laughs> think like that, because there was many times when I get in that pool on my first, um, one of my first sessions, and I do about 10 lengths, Never realised how hard it was. <laughs> First session in the pool, I'd done about 10 lengths and I was dying. And I was like, oh my God. That was literally a 15 metre pool as well. So that was right. like 150 metres. Right. And I was like, Jesus. So, and I had a two week holiday in Florida coming up. So that was two weeks off training as well, pretty much. I'd done a wee bit of running in Florida. It was too hot though. And right. my pool was, and the hotel was real small. Um, but yeah, I just basically spent went and swam as much as I could. I done I didn't have a bike, so I just done bike in the gym as much sure. as I could. And I was I started going out running and um I fucked it all up in terms of like equipment and stuff. I bought and I bought a windsurfing type wet wetsuit, which is a really thick wetsuit instead right. of a one for swimming. Okay. I borrowed my pal's bike who lived in London. Didn't have any gears on it. Um and uh, I just yeah I just didn't have a clue just ill prepared I just so yeah just yeah. ill prepared and I, I, when I, I say that that's a 15 metre swimming pool I was training in I didn't know that I just googled swimming pool sizes and it came up with 25 metres which most pools are right. so I thought I was training a 25 metre pool I was training a 15 metre pool so all the distances I thought I had done in training you take you, need, you had to take so and I'd, never, I'd done one open water session I went East Bride, some pond thing <laughs> some class on hired a wetsuit and oh my god man I was just like what the fuck this is so hard I didn't know how to swim. I was swimming like my head over the water. So the woman that was like taking the class, like, Scott, what are you doing? You need to breathe. You need to put your head under the water and then come up for a breath. And I just couldn't do it. It was too hard. So I was going down to London. thought, I'm going to, I'm not going to get through this swim. <laughs> and uh, so I'd, I'd done my first triathlon. It was horrific. The swim, I, I almost asked people to pull me out of the water twice. I could hardly breathe. I was panicking. There was people kicking me. My swim technique was obviously terrible. It was sure. so bad. It was so hard, man. But I just had, I kept thinking to my dad. I just had to keep going, just keep going, just keep going. People had raised like over a thousand pounds in charity. So I was like, all those people donated money. If I don't get through the first bit, <laughs> I'm going to be mortified to tell people that. So I just kept swimming, man. Um, got out the water. Thought I was going to collapse. Didn't. Got on my bike, cycling about London. Everybody's got these road TT bikes, the one that I use now. Right. And I'm on this thing. It's not the right size for me. There's no gears. 
you know, it was horrific. But I got through it. How long was the cycle? 40 kilometres. All right, okay. And then I ran 10k. Run was actually the best part for me, and I wasn't a runner at that point, but I just just kept going. You know, when you're in that race environment, you just mm. keep going. And I'd done it in three hours, 52 minutes or something like that. That sounds pretty good. No, terrib- no terrible. terrible. So because... But I, but I loved it. I loved the feeling of that achievement, pushing myself in the training. The, the running outside was giving me like a high I'd never felt before through exercise. Sure. Um, and I loved the whole process. The day was really hard, but I'd done it. I've crossed the line. What a feeling. Never felt that before. Better than any buzz from alcohol I'd ever had in my life. So I instantly told myself, do it next year. Get a proper bike, get a proper wetsuit, proper training, see how you do. Mm-hmm. I went, done it, following year, exact same event, uh, two hours 42. Right. Almost a full hour of... Not panicking. Bit. Yeah, well, I don't get me wrong, I was still shit myself. <laughs> but I'd got... Did I get open water swimming training that year? I don't think I did, actually. I think it was all pool swimming, but... I had a better wetsuit. Sure. What a difference that made. What a difference. Um, I had a, I borrowed my friend's road bike, so I had clip-on shoes and the gears and stuff. Sure. What a difference. And then I was a little bit better at running as well. So, yeah, full 50 minutes. Crossed the line that day. That was 2014. Told myself, because I'd looked into triathlon, I'd looked and I saw Ironman. is like the pinnacle, the, the maddest triathlon you can do. It's not even like double an Olympic, it's like more, it's like three times an Olympic or something like that. Right. Uh, in fact, it'd be more than that. Five times or something. What are the distance for the Ironman? Well, the Ironman, so the Olympic distance is a 1500 metre swim. The Ironman's 4,000, just under 4,000 metres. The bike is 40k Olympic, the bike is 180k Ironman, 112 miles. The run's 10k, the run's a mar- full marathon. So I crossed the line that day, I beat my time by 50 minutes, I felt on top of the world, I felt unstoppable, man. And mm-hmm. I told myself, I'm going to do an Ironman one day. I got my girlfriend at the time was with me, and I says to her, I'm going to do an Ironman, going to do it. Which obviously I have, but at that point, I felt I wanted to get stronger. Sure. Um, and if I just cut straight into Ironman train, I would have got smaller because I would have been doing loads of cardio, lost a bit of muscle. I didn't really know much about nutrition at that point, so I wouldn't have been fueling properly and stuff. So I took a year out triathlon. Apart from I'd done a relay for a team who didn't have a swimmer. Nobody could swim. So I said I'd swim for a team. in the London one again. So I was at London triathlon three years in a row. Done the swim, came out the swim, and I was absolutely gutted I wasn't doing the full thing. No. I was like, oh, what, man, this is... I'm just just got just it. I know I should have and she just stole somebody's bike went for it. But but yeah, I took a year out and focused on lifting, eating more food, and I put on a good bit of weight, increased my size a bit. Mm-hmm. And then twenty fifth so that would have been twenty sixteen, I told myself Iron Man training starts this year. So again, I wasn't going to just dive in and do a full Iron Man, hadn't done any cardio for a year apart from football. Mm-hmm. So I signed up for another Olympic distance triathlon, signed up in Brighton this year, that year. Um, got another PB, only by three minutes or something like that, but okay. got a PB time-wise, and I was good. I think I was like two stone heavier, because I, I went face 17 and a half at my heaviest, I went right down to 12 stone. 
Right. End up really skinny. Um, see if you look, see if I show you a picture of my first triathlon. I'm, I'm a rake. <laughs> There's nothing <laughs> on me, man. My arms are so fucking small. Um, my face is like almost gone. Um. What was it? Just going back to Edinburgh. What was the time difference between you going from seventeen to twelve? But what was that? Scale? Well, a lot. So the first year, the first time I stopped drinking, I lost a bit of stone. Sure. So then I was down at like sixteen something. Can't remember the exact weights. And then, so when I stopped drinking again, that would have been twenty third, twenty twelve, mid twenty twelve. And then I got down to twelve stone over the next year and a half. Right. So four stone in about a year and a half. But I was gaining a bit of muscle as well, so it wasn't right. wasn't rapid weight loss and like that. I was training with weights, I was eating more protein and stuff. So this this may be a bit of a strange question. For somebody who is bigger, who wants to get a lot smaller, my main focus is right now, well, I've got this kind of baggy bit here. What's that going to look like at 12 stone? And that's my fear of, if I do ever lose the weight and get to a point that I'm going to have these... Well, a lot of people get when they've lost a traumatic, like especially when they do it quickly and these yep. like fad stuff. They have these like saggy bits everywhere. Yep. No, there was too personal. Was that something you ever had? Like you came across, you were just like, that is a real thing, man. Yeah. Like people who lose extreme weight uh-huh. can have excess skin. Yeah. That's that's just a fact. It's unfortunate. Mm-hmm. Stretch marks, all that kind of stuff. That's yeah. the thing. Um, if you do it like, gradually. Eh. Nah, I think if you're that, if you're if you're if you're big, you've got a lot of weight to lose. Like I had a client, went you know, big Craig. He went mm-hmm. through ten. He lost ten stone. Yeah. So you know, he looked great, especially when he's like flexing and stuff like that. But just standing there, you know, there's a bit of loose skin and stuff like that. Sure. That's just through extreme weight loss. It's not that bad though. It's nothing crazy. Um, for me, I don't have in like that. To be honest, I've got some stretch marks in places, yeah. but. What I do have is I do have, like, if I'm, like, just sitting down or like, even standing up, I can pinch, like, a good bit. So people who see a picture of me, basically, maybe, and I'm standing top off and I look lean, I've got, you know, good physique, lean physique, abs and stuff, mm-hmm. I can still pinch a lot down my lower, lower stomach. Sure. Like, I've done a picture I've done a picture of it on my page and I'm, like, holding it and I'm, like, this is just, there. I let myself get five stone overweight. This is, no matter how much I diet, this is here for me. It's like a sack. It's almost like a loose. Sure. It's almost like loose skin at the bottom of my stomach. It's just not as an extreme. It's not an extreme. That you you couldn't even. You wouldn't even know it's sitting in a picture. But if you were to grab me, you wouldn't. You wouldn't like. You wouldn't probably expect that to be there. You wouldn't. You wouldn't think sure. you could grab a big chunk of my skin. Okay. You know, um, sitting down, my lower stomach. I feel. I can. F- I feel it there. You know. Yeah. But it's nothing. It doesn't bother me. Nah. This was. No, that makes sense. You know, it's my own fault for. Living my life the way I did for the eight years that I did. Fair enough. Okay, so that that gives me a little bit of hope. Yeah. That this won't be too bad. And at the end of the day, like, if you do end up with something like that, loose skin, stretch marks, whatever it may be, it's a hell of a lot better than being okay. unhappy at sitting at the weight you are and the health implications of being overweight can, can come by. I've got a client uh, who she lost, I think she's lost over five stone now. Right. And she's had two children. So she does have these kind of sure. saggy excess bits of skin in her stomach and stuff and it does annoy her but when she thinks about it and the way she thinks how she used to feel and look mm-hmm. like it doesn't really matter it doesn't yeah it doesn't really matter at the end of the day and it, if it you know if it annoys her that much maybe she'll get surgery one day or people can get surgery to fix these things but 
there's us spending money on something something else and just deal Absolutely. deal with it, man. Cool. Um but All yeah. right. brief sidetrack there. That's but, right. So you've just completed three triathlon things. Yeah, so twenty sixteen and we're at yeah. So that's me half Ironman training starts start of twenty eighteen. No, twenty seventeen. What year is it now? Twenty nineteen. <laughs> so last year was half Ironman. Twenty eighteen. Aye. Twenty eighteen. Yeah, so twenty seventeen was the Brighton Triathlon. Right. Twenty seventeen. Yeah. Twenty seventeen was the Brighton Triathlon. Twenty eighteen was half Ironman. Right. So yeah, done the Brighton Triathlon. I think it was September time, twenty seventeen. Again, went back to kind of more strength based training for the rest of that year. And then January hit a book half Ironman in Elsinore, Denmark, which is like forty minutes on a train outside Copenhagen. Okay. Just fine. I want always wanted to do the Ironman events someplace cool. Mm. The ones in the UK didn't really now Scandinavia's words average. Didn't really inspire yeah. me that much to either go to Edinburgh or Bolton to do it, basically. <laughs> so I'm like, if I'm putting all this effort in training wise, I'm going somewhere fucking cool. Yeah. No. <laughs> so yeah, mm-hmm. Denmark looked cool. Copenhagen's easy to get to on a plane, an hour and a half for Glasgow or something like that. So booked that. And six six months of hard training. Went into went into that. And went to Copenhagen, feeling good. I done it a bit different because I did keep a lot of strength training going which mm-hmm. is different most Ironman long long endurance stuff is mostly endurance training obviously sure. swim cycle run and a little bit of strength training I decided to almost do it half and half just the way I wanted to do it I wanted sure. to keep my strength I wanted to keep my muscle that I'd spent a couple of years trying to build I know, I know I'm not I would not walk down the street and people would look at me and go, look at the size of him. Yeah. I, I, you know, I'm not massive or like that, but from where I've been, from overweight to really skinny to then the physique I'm at, and I'm quite proud of that. And mm. I like being strong. And I'd done it that way just because I knew it would, I wouldn't be as fast as I possibly could, but I'm not in this to fucking win anything. I'm not in this to beat anybody else. I'm in this for personal reasons. Yeah. So all connected to my dad. If other people like yourself can look at me from like you, you you knew me when I was younger you yeah. know when I was boozing and not exercising and you're now looking at me doing a half Ironman full Ironman that shows you that if you really want to do something it's possible absolutely it's totally fucking possible man um, like my friend who I interviewed the other day drug addict alcoholic running sub three hour marathons in Egypt mind blown he's only been sober two and a half years and he's doing all this stuff you know it's just it's to show other people what is possible that we can change no matter where we're at and it takes a lot of hard work takes a lot of sacrifice yeah it's not like the fake before and after images on everything of course man of course i'm not going to sit here and say it was easy or that doesn't affect other areas of my life Mm -hmm. being this dedicated to stuff but it is what it is um so yeah, I went to Denmark and I done the half Ironman. So the distances I said for Ironman, it's literally half everything. So it's a two kilometre swim, ninety kilometre cycle, and a half marathon. So I done that in six and a half hours. Should have been just over six, but I came off the bike with a great bike time. Swim went really well. Bike went superb. Right. Came off the bike, stomach cramped, terrible. Felt so ill, man. I could hardly run the first ten k. You just through it or just had to just power through it, man. Again, I was doing it with charity, British Heart Foundation for my dad. Sure. Um spent 
literally hundreds and hundreds of pounds on equipment, flights, accommodation. Entry fee was £250, you know, it's a lot of money. I'm like, I cannot stop. Trying to make myself sick. It just felt so bad, man. But I powered through it and done done in six and a half. If my stomach didn't feel like that, again, I probably would have done it a lot quicker. But I did tell myself before it ended under seven hours I'd be happy. So I can't, I can't complain at six and a half. It was a great day. Great weekend, great few days in Denmark. That's, you know, getting to see these parts of the world yeah. through exercise is a great plus for me. And then that was it. It was time to <laughs> practice for the big one, uh, get ready for the big one. See, I think maybe it was then, because I was obviously following you on like your social media when you did that one. And then it just seemed to, the training just ramped up, like, massively. Crazy. That, because it was noticeable. It wasn't just like, oh, you're posting at the gym, like, your post that you're doing just now. It was you are doing crazy ass cycles 40 odd miles wherever it was somewhere and it was every day it wasn't yep. just like twice a day twice a day <laughs> i was tired i, I cycled six miles to my home from here every yeah. day and that's like that's, that's plenty but yeah. no that's so why so it ramped up and you didn't have time for anything else it was just just training i wouldn't practice. say i had, didn't have time for anything else yeah. i you know you managed to fit it in your life all that training with going on to iron man yeah the beauty of my job is that I work split shifts. Mm. I work in morning and I work in evening. So I take a big chunk of the day for myself to train and yeah. to do paperwork, finances, learn, all that kind of stuff. But for those six months, it was like finish with my month, last morning client at say 12, train, maybe in the gym, hours, weights, mm. eat, drink a lot of water, maybe do a bit of work, drink a coffee, go to a coffee shop, chill, and then do my Ironman training. Which okay. would be during the week would be short, shorter, intense stuff like interval running, right. interval bike, or just get in the pool and swim, and that was like that through the week, and then weekends I take weekends off work, weekends where the big cycles, forty fifty miles, um, swimming in locks, swimming open water, running, how did you ten find, twelve fifteen k open water swimming, love it, yeah, so good initially. Initially scary. It's yeah. always scary a wee bit. Um, it's cold in Scotland. Wow. Even in the summer, it can be quite cold. Um, but I love it, man. You feel alive. Like, like you're in a pool and you're just up and down, up and down, up and down. There's maybe like pensioners doing water aerobics beside you. you know? It's quite boring, man. Pool swimming can get very boring. Hence why I have a waterproof iPod thing, which really helps me. But yeah, open water, I'm lucky enough to have a friend, Amanda, who does Ironman, and she lives out Alloway, okay. Stirling Way, sure. um, and she knows all these amazing places, these locks, uh, up calendar and things like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. she would, I would go, I'd go out to her, but she'd take us up and we would go swimming in these amazing places. And so I suppose taking a break and something like that and you've got the views around you. Views, more. Yeah. the water is, as much as it's cold when you first go in, it's fresh. Yeah. It feels it feels great. You're like, you know, I've went from, uh, you know, I, this is me when I'm doing it. I'm thinking to myself, I've went from a place where I don't have a reason to live. <laughs> I feel sure. worthless. I hate myself. To I'm swimming in a lock, <laughs> feeling fit, training for a crazy event. Mm -hmm. I feel alive. I feel amazing. This makes me happy. Fair enough. It's great. It's hard work. Yeah. It's tough going. There's a couple, been a couple of open water swims where it's been raining, it's been cold, and I just didn't, just haven't wanted to get in the water. There was um, classes up at Pinkston, okay. up at um, Portland Das, mm. 
which John Darjee at Pro Endurance Coaching, really good guy. He's helped me a lot through my training. Um, he does open water classes April to September. Right. Talking 6 a.m., 7 a.m.s in a canal in Glasgow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, some of those sessions were rough. And uh, the, that that moment where you're standing on the edge on your wetsuit, cold, and you need to jump in this cold, cold water at 7 in the morning, man. Yeah. It's, oh, it's not a good feeling. And you go in... And it's still not a good feeling, and it's horrible. <laughs> it doesn't get any better. It doesn't get any better. But you keep swimming. You start swimming, and five minutes, ten minutes in, the coldness isn't there anymore, and it's great. Awesome. And then I get out of the water. It's like eight in the morning, and I've not even started my day yet, and I feel on top of the world. See, cold water, open water swimming has never been a thing that I would. I would I've never looked at a log and thought, fancy swimming out. No. <sighs> not sober, no. But like, um. Well, yeah, but I've never had the the. Ah, so much effort. Just very lazy. <laughs> well, I mean, to be fair, like, before I started triathlon training, I never thought of that either, in all honesty. Mm-hmm. Would, uh, I'd always look at, like, pictures of pe- people on holiday abroad in the sea and stuff, and think, oh, I'd love to go sure. swim in the sea and stuff. And that was, you know, I went to a stag do during my half Ironman training in Barcelona. Right. And they're all getting pissed on the beach, and I'm in the water swimming with my goggles on. <laughs> <laughs> Fighting the, fight the waves, doing half an hour training. See, that would be, I think maybe I would do it in those temperatures, in that kind of climate, that would be a bit more, you could get out of the water and you're not freezing to death. It's actually nice, quite sunny. You can yeah, chill and it's relax. Nice. That is nice. Yeah. yeah, but yeah, the training, so that was the kind of training, yep. man. It did, it totally, as you say, it totally ramped up and I documented it all on my Insta mm-hmm. stories and, you know, I was feeling like, try to inspire people, but then I'm thinking to myself, is it too much? Am I like? Am I? Tr- I try to make a point of saying, I'm not telling folk to train like this. Uh-huh. This is just what I need to do for what I'm trying to achieve. I'm not saying train twice a day, six, seven days a week. Mm-hmm. But what I'm saying is, if I can train, t- you know, fifteen, twenty hours a week, can you do three? Yeah, sure. probably can. <laughs> yeah, uh, and that's uh, all we're looking for for staying fit, and healthy, and weight and food, weight loss, fat loss. Mm-hmm. You know, I think there is a very good fine line between somebody who's got a product like you who can sell it really well but is also living it and doing it really well and people can yeah. see that and it's not too much it's genuine that means and then there's some people who have had to work with recently i won't say but who are just ramming it in your face constantly and it's to say that it's i'm not a big motivational monday wellness wednesday type person that i see the cringiness of it i can i can get over that really quick i'd rather just have somebody like you just say like we're going to do this today and that's I it try my best I try my best to not come across like that. Yeah. Like, you have to be motivational, but not. If you're not up on Monday acting like a shark, (laughs) you're an idiot. (laughs) Like, I hate, I hate that stuff, man. It's like Monday's Monday, man. Folk fucking have just came off a weekend. Probably aren't feeling great. You know, Mm -hmm. that is what it is. It's like you don't have to be out at seven a.m. runs and like you know eating out of Tupperware every Monday morning to to be doing well. You know, but. Do you ever Try. look at any other like PTs and stuff like that and think, what the fuck are you doing? What are you talking people about? Pr- people probably look at me and think that. Other PTs will probably look at me and think, this guy talks pish. Or, you know, I- I'm very emotional in some of my stuff. Like, I'm, especially with the Iron Man stuff, it was all so, it meant a lot to me, man. It was an emotional thing. Every single day was an emotional battle of um, pushing myself to my limit, trying to prove to myself to my dad that I'm not this idiot anymore and yeah. that I'm that I'm I can do this and 
And that might sound crazy to people because this was like my dad died seven years ago and I only done the Ironman this year and I'm still saying I'm trying to prove myself. But that's like when I told myself after the second triathlon I'm going to do an Ironman one day. Mm. When, you know, I had to hold myself to that and uh, I had to show, to prove that I could do it and raising money for the British Heart Foundation and you know, never drinking again and, you know, being trying to be someone who, you know, isn't, you know, it's, it's hard to explain. It's very hard to get through what it meant to me. Sure. I tried my best to convey that in my social media posts without sounding like a lunatic, you know. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. People would maybe look at my posts and go... Why is he like getting so emotional over a run? But that's just what it meant to me, man. Yeah, no, because I mean, you've never hidden the fact that the emotional story behind it. It's a, it's a big thing, and I think everyone who's been through that before can even just look at that would go, "Well, that makes sense." Mm-hmm. Well, this is a big thing that's dedicated to that. That makes sense. Yeah, it's the the crazy end. Of, it's like the actual crazy people who go tonto with it for no reason or just yeah. because they want the the likes or the social media or just all that. Yeah, uh, anything I've ever posted on social media has to be tried to help people. Yeah, not for likes. Like it's very hard to. I, I'm sitting talking about it comfortably mm-hmm. because I've done it so much now, right? But it's still, it's still hard to put yourself out there like so openly for all those people. Like, and anybody could look at my page. It's a public profile. Yeah. Anybody can look at it. You know and. Um, it's hard to it's hard to put these private emotional kind of things out. I know that a lot of people will get something out of it, sure. and that's why I do it. But there's also going to be people probably looking at it and thinking I'm, I'm talking shit or like I'm an idiot or whatever. But yeah. um, but th- over the last kind of six months to a year that I've been doing the Ironman stuff. And like being open about why I'm doing it and what it means to me and how hard I'm pushing myself, blah, blah, blah. I've never had so many people rant, people don't know, message me to say, you've really helped me. I've started training because, because of your posts. Yeah. I've cut back on alcohol or I've stopped drinking or you've made me think about some things. You've made me get help. I've had those messages, mm. people that I don't even train or coach a lot of those messages, man. And that makes putting myself out there totally worth it. Absolutely. You know, because, as I said, it's hard to admit your problems sometimes and it's hard to open up. So by me, a 32-year-old guy doing that, well, yeah, I might might look like I'm doing well now and that I'm healthy and healthy and all this stuff, but for people to know that I've got through that kind of stuff yeah tragedy and you know problems with booze and stuff like that that obviously helps them because you know they can say to me someone they don't know I'm working through some issues and you've really helped me with that like the podcast I've done with John Mm -hmm. a lot of people messaged me after that podcast you think starting the podcast has helped you quite a lot yeah 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 definitely man Um, especially some of the the more the more open ones, you sure. know, like like the one with John, we both openly discuss our problems with booze and how how stopping has helped us. Look at my life, look at his life, and uh, a couple other ones that folk have 
said that wow that was really mm-hmm. that was really good you know and uh, the one I've just done there will be launched tonight or tomorrow will hopefully be the same cool. you know so it definitely has awesome so we're getting sidetracked quite a lot from the Ironman it's okay <laughs> you're done you're doing the training it's intense where do you think do you, any point of doing the training you thought uh, this isn't worth it or this is just not was there, did you hit a wall at any point during the training or did full you full Ironman up to the full Ironman yeah. yeah so the half Ironman was tough yeah and a lot but it wasn't anything compared to the full Ironman training <laughs> the last seven months well the January to July it's been hard man you know it's been worth it yeah and I'm so happy I'd done the Ironman but it wasn't easy mate and I tried to, again, I tried to be honest with that on social media. I did not want to go through that. Feeling the way I did sometimes and be like, this is great, I'm loving this every <laughs> day. I feel amazing. Because right. I didn't, you know. I felt I felt amazing a lot of the time. And the training was, you know, that type of training does make me feel a certain way and it helps me with my problems and um, my mental health and everything. But when you take it to that extreme... Mm. Yeah, man, it got hard, it got really hard, and in all honesty, other aspects of my life suffered, man. Um, it felt, there was definitely some training, some cycles especially, where I was like, how the fuck am I going to do this? You know, I'm doing 100k today, and I'm, I've got to do 180 in a couple of months, and I'm dying. I feel like I can't go on, mm-hmm. you know, and it was really hard to wake up the next day and keep pushing yourself because you just feel like not saying I would ever give up but I felt like giving up but I did feel like I mean it's a huge task I felt yeah I felt like I wasn't good enough I was out with again I chose to do it different maybe a bit stupid but I wanted to again keep my strength training in keep my weights in not do all cardio because I felt like I would end up kind of resenting that a wee bit if I was sure. just doing all cardio because the weights and the CrossFit side of stuff now is such a massive part of my training um, and I love it. So I didn't want to just like ditch most of it. So I kept, I, I, again, I'd done it a bit different. Um, yeah, and those times I was like, I'm not going to be able to do this because I'm not cycling as much as I maybe should be or I'm not running as much as I maybe should be. Yeah. I was going out with other cyclists and like they were smoking me like you know lagging behind struggling to keep up and um, obviously in those moments I should be telling myself what I tell my clients it doesn't matter if people are better than you it doesn't matter if people are beating you or faster than you or stronger than you you are you you just got to do what you and I did tell myself that and that's what got me through it but it wasn't easy it was hard going man and um, uh, like you go out on the bike for three four hours and sometimes five six hours and yeah i just felt like couldn't didn't have any energy to do anything after it it's a lot of commitment and it's something yeah and i was build up for something for sure yeah and i was yeah. coaching full time essentially um on my feet at work a lot coaching people still had to stay obviously that's the main thing for me my work my, my, my coaching the training i'm not a professional athlete i do it for a hobby for yeah. personal reasons so um were you doing the band stuff as well this time i wasn't well? doing the band stuff but um i decided some crazy thing took over me and decided to do a charity fundraiser solo 
gig oh, yeah, block. at Block. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pop punk, not karaoke, pop punk um, throwback night. Sure. Something that I'd always wanted to do for years and I thought, I'm never going to pick up the balls to do this because mm-hmm. I'd always been in bands. I've never played by myself. I was like, I'm, this is an ideal opportunity because you're fundraising for this big thing. Yeah. I was thinking to myself, how can I get extra fundraising on the go and I started I'd done a blog for the Mental Health Foundation through how music and exercise helped with my mental health so I wanted to do a bit more for them mm. alongside the British Heart Foundation so I decided to do this email block and went I just thought I was just now one of those days you're like walking down the street and you feel super fucking motivated <laughs> and you're like I can do anything and I was like fuck it I'm just going to email them and see if they'll do it oh. and I emailed them I was like I want to play this gig for charity, it's pop punk, played in bands before, so I could get a decent crowd, I think. Um, let me know what you think. And they're like, yeah, cool. <laughs> July 11th is free, Thursday night, done, booked. All of a sudden, I've got a gig to practice for as well. Just to add that on to everything just else. Just to add it on to everything else. Um, so I was like, working, training a lot, practicing for a gig, trying to hold up some sort of personal life which didn't really happen but <laughs> now no, you put all that stuff together there's no way you can't do a work-life balance successfully and when you throw all of that in, yeah it was sure. hard and it, yeah. but it was harder there was times where i felt felt low you know physically and mentally mm. it was there was times it was really tough but but the gig went well Gig went amazing, man. It was like, honestly, so much fun. So much fun. And again, there's times I'm sitting trying to practice for that. And my throat's fucking shite. Can't sing great. And it's like, I've, I've worked I've worked and trained for like 12 hours. And I'm going straight to the studio to practice this for this gig. And I'm on my way to the studio. I'm thinking, why the fuck am I doing this, man? I just need to go home and go to bed. Mm-hmm. And I'm in the studio for like two hours myself. Yeah. Practicing and singing. And I'm like... Which even in a music sense is quite hard to motivate, especially when you've been used to bands and people around yeah. you playing. I did ask Andy McKenzie for mm. help because um, I've done my first couple of practices and I was like, oh, it sounds a bit empty. Sure. So I messaged Andrew, my friend, who I used to play in bands with, who also has just won a battle with alcohol problems. Awesome. Um, and yeah, he agreed and I was in we only practiced together once once a week about six weeks leading up to the show. So all the other practices I was on my own. Sure. Uh but he but me and him went into Berkeley on a Sunday and ran through everything. Uh but it was amazing. It, we pulled it off. Block was rammed. It was like I, I was overwhelmed by the amount of people that were there. Everyone from the gym came. A lot of my close friends came and it was just a fun night. All worth it. Good. All worth it because, you know, it's like, man, I've played in bands where you bust your ass and it's, you know, it's, it's it means a lot to you and you mm-hmm. go and there's 10 people there and they're just sitting, and they're just sitting watching you yeah. and they don't give a shit. Or they don't look like they give a shit and you think, why? Yeah. Why am I spending all this money and effort to play in front of 10 people? They probably don't even like what they hear, you know? <laughs> um, but it leads up to these moments where you then can get... But I p- we pulled like it that. off and yeah. it was one of the best nights ever. There was folk singing, dancing, coming up on stage and singing with me. Mm. As I said, it was rammed. 
didn't start, I didn't start until 10pm, so I was like, everybody's going to be away home by the time I start, I've played two 45 minute sets, so I played an hour and a half, wow. and uh, yeah man, it was just amazing. Good. So good. So you're managing to balance all of this successfully? <sighs> I'm managing to balance yeah. it successfully, Jack. not too sure. Fair enough. Did you get up to, when When was the... So it was July 21st. Right, okay, so not actually that far after the gig as well. No, so. it was like, that was, we were so close together. That was the kind of point, I wanted it to be close. Because sure. it was all the lead up to, I'm going to Switzerland to do my first Ironman, I'm raising money for British Heart Foundation. The gig was Mental Health Foundation and British Heart Foundation. Okay, so that makes there. sense. Yeah, so the gig, we raised over £500 nice. for Mental Health Foundation and some for British Heart Foundation as well. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I was, I was overwhelmed by that. It was crazy. I was like, if we get a couple hundred pounds, that'd be amazing. It was over 500 quid in the bucket. Sorry, I couldn't hear that. Get that in silent. So, between the gig and you going to Switzerland for the yeah. Ironman, did you calm down the training leading up to it? Yeah. I just to kind of mentally get yourself there or is it just actually because you need to taper right which yeah. is cut everything back like a couple of weeks before the event because you can't go in heart sore sure normal training you get muscle soreness fatigue you know can't have that you need to be fresh so um july 11th was the day of the gig that was actually the last long run i had as well okay i ran i think it was like 15 kilometers or something 20 kilometers some half marathon maybe right that was the last long one so played the gig and then the taper started okay um so yeah kept training but it's just nothing on what i was used to um no real weights again don't want to be sore don't want to risk injuring myself sure so it did it did calm down for a week before i flew out and then i flew out on the wednesday and the event wasn't till the sunday so I had a few chill days in Switzerland, nice weather. Cool. I say sleep, but it was too hot and nerves and stuff, hardly slept. Yeah, no, that's a given, given for what was going to happen. Yeah. So, you've prepared all this time, you're relaxed, you get to Zurich, or was it in Zurich in Switzerland? Was it was, yeah. 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 In Zurich, on the day of the morning, feeling fine? No nerves? Oh, no. no nerves? Just no. relaxed, chilled? Oh, man. Went to on went easy. So I went on the Wednesday. My pal Johnny came over with me. Oh. Um, got there Wednesday, kind of late. So Thursday, man, it's so hot. It is roasting, and I'm like shit, because <laughs> I'm not used to training the heat. And I thought Switzerland would be kind of mid twenties. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Europe was having this heat wave. The yeah. week before we went, it was thirty seven degrees, and I was like, yeah, fuck. I'm that. not like f- flat out. I cannot. I will not be able to run a marathon in that or cycle for whatever. So I was worried, but by when we got there, it was down like 30, 31. Oh, he's still yeah, roasting. Yeah. Uh, but on the Thursday morning, I went out of 5K. I felt amazing, man. So good. I mean, it was roasting and, mm-hmm. you know, it was hot, but I ran really well, paced really well. Um, and I wanted to keep going, but I knew I sh- had to keep it cool and not do too much. But so that was great. <clears throat> Tried to eat as best as we could. Um, so expensive there, man. The most expensive place I have ever been yeah. by a mile. So, yeah, that wasn't great. But <laughs> I was actually going to do a bit of traveling after the Ironman through Europe and stuff. I hadn't booked a flight home. Sure. But I'd spent too much, spent all my money, so I couldn't. But, um, but yeah, on the Friday, chilled. Saturday, I went to the 
Ironman site. Okay. We've got the expo. There was like a triathlon going on, like an Olympic distance triathlon going on that day. Stella, the woman who I work with, mm-hmm. she'd come over to cool. be with me as well That's through the through the race. Yeah. Um, th- my bike got cur- I paid a courier to take my bike. To, it was an official Ironman service. They come pick your bike up in Glasgow. They take it over for you. Okay. That you pick it up the day before the race. Because in Denmark, I'd done it myself, and that was a shit show, man. I had right. to take apart my bike. Put it in a bike box, which is like still massive and yeah. really heavy. I had to get that to Edinburgh Airport. So don't drive. I had to get a bus. I need to get it on the special luggage thing mm-hmm. to pay extra for that. It's more expensive than my flight. Then I need to get to Denmark, I need to find the bike, take it out in this box, get it in a taxi to the hotel, put the bike back together yourself. And I'm not a bike mechanic, man. I no. suck at these things. So yeah. I then had to take it to a shop and pay for it to get serviced to make sure it was running okay. Mm-hmm. And then take it to the site. Then after the race, you need to take it back to your apartment. You need to take the bike apart again. You need to pack it and you need to get it home. That is a Brutal. Yeah. Brutal. So this year, I paid a little bit extra and just got a courier service. And it was worth it. Because literally got there on a the Saturday. The bike is waiting for me. Built. Tires blown up. Everything. Excellent. Take it as practice cycle. Make sure the gears and all that are working, and then you rack your bike at transition, which is your transition point is where you have your bike, mm-hmm. your wetsuit, your running shoes, helmet, food, water, all that kind of stuff on the day. Sure. So that actually stays there overnight. Okay. So, but then I didn't get to register on transition and everything set up in transition until like five six p.m. And the race starts at half six on the Sunday. So I'm thinking to myself, I need to be sleeping by nine, ten o'clock at earliest. Mm-hmm. No, at latest. Yeah. And because I, I need to go up at half three to eat because I need to eat in the morning and I can't eat too close to swimming. Sure. So I have to get up at half three in the morning, quarter to four. So we get back to the hotel. I'm going through all the rules, make sure I've got everything packed. Turned my phone off because I've been sending me messages mm-hmm. and I go to bed at like half nine. I fell asleep at one in the morning. <laughs> Couldn't sleep. No. Nah, Roasting, nervous, thinking about it all. Couldn't sleep. So I got like two and a half hours sleep. Got up, wasn't hungry. <laughs> had to eat, had to force a bowl of muesli down me, a bit of bread, a banana, uh, fruit juice. And uh, it was absolutely pissing the rain. <laughs> Hadn't rained one drop since we got there. It was blue skies, no clouds, total sun, 30 to 33 degrees every day. And it was pissing the rain. It was dark. I was tired. I was nervous. I felt sick. Sounds like fun. And I'm standing at the transition point at half five in the morning, soaking wet because there's no roof or anything. It's just outdoors. And I'm just like... Fuck my life. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I wasn't in a good headspace at all. Not no, at all. That's a, that's one, one, that's very early to get up, uh, especially ahead of all of that, but not sleeping the night before. Not even, Yeah, no, that's going to be... It wasn't good, man. Um, but also, you know, I'm just nervous. I'm just like nervous, man. I'm just like... So many people are supporting me. So many people. It's overwhelming. The messages, the donations. It was like... I can't remember, man, £1,300 maybe. Ah, yeah, you smashed the target in there. Way so over a 1000 yeah, anyway, yeah, yeah. of donations for the British Heart Foundation. Stella's paid money to come over, Johnny's paid money to come over. Hmm. 
my whole social media for the last six months is me building up to this moment and yeah. I'm like what if I don't fucking do it because there is cut off points at every part there's cut off point at the swim the cycle and the run where if you don't make it by that time you, that's you you're done because right. you need to finish it in the time limit or you don't get your medal you don't get to finish the race Okay. also cost me £500 to enter yeah, 600 so. Swiss francs, which is probably like 550 or something like that. Fuck's sake. Alright, so yeah, so you had to put, yeah. A lot of money, more. flights, accommodate. It was, I was just like, you do, you doubt yourself, man. There's mm. no, no matter how much you prepare for these things, you're always going to have self doubt at some point. Sure. And uh, it was always the bike for me. It was always like, I'm not the best cyclist for one. I'm 90 kilograms, which is quite heavy for a triathlete, a cyclist. Okay. Um, Bike can break, you know, you can fall off your bike, the chain can break, mm -hmm. get a puncture. These, some of these things can be fixed, some can't. There's been half Ironman triathlons, I've seen people had to stop because their bike, they fell off their bike and their bike is broke. Or yeah. they're at the side of the road trying to fix a puncture. And that's stressful, so stressful. I'm terrible at these things, see like bike maintenance and mechanics, I'm so bad. It's probably my own fault because I've never properly sat down and like proper looked into how to like fix a broken whatever. Sure. I knew how to fix a puncture. I had tubeless tires, so I had these CO2 canisters in my bike bag where I would uh, put into the pump bit, you release, and it psh, blows up the tire. Because they're tubeless, you spin the tire, lubricant comes out, seals over the puncture, and you should be good to go. Okay. But if it's a bad enough puncture, that might not fix it. Yeah. So my big worry is, I know I'm going to finish the swim. I'm not bad at swimming. It's not the longest part by any means. Mm. <clears throat> am I going to A, get through the bike with no bad things happening mm -hmm. and B, am I going to make the bike cut off in time because there's a lot of climbing in this race there's a lot of hills right. I'm not the best with hills um, and the heat has just been incredible since I got there so I knew the sun was going to come out at one point sure. so it was just worry <laughs> it was just worry man And that, at that point and it was dark and it was raining and all those things I just I was like not feeling great no, I, I mean, I didn't even think of, I suppose it'd be even worse if what put you out was something like it happened to the bike and not you physically, because you could physically run the rest of the way and probably make, but the actual bike f malfunction, that would be more frustrating, I think, than... I seriously think that would have fucked me up if that happened. Yeah. Like, the, what, the effort I put in and all the money and the emotional side of finishing this race, see mm -hmm. if it was a bike issue. <laughs> yeah. But the bike survived. Yeah. Was the bike the middle part? Yeah, so right. swim, cycle, run. So you smashed the bike, but... So I get my wetsuit on. Right. Go for Very a test fun. swim in Lake Zurich. Beautiful. Amazing. We'd been swimming in the lake a couple of days before. You probably saw him on Instagram. Yeah. Amazing, man. So beautiful. Um, test swim, water feels good. It's warm. <laughs> uh, Johnny and Stella are there. They're like taking pictures and mm. encouraging me. Get to the start line pissing myself in my wetsuit like literally yeah, <laughs> I mean if there's one place you can do it it's I'm so wetsuit. nervous and then I hear this guy beside me talking and he's Scottish <laughs> I was like are you from Scotland he's like I, well, they weren't actually they're actually from England but they lived in Edinburgh right uh, so I got talking to them and that was like good because it was distracting me from the nerves and stuff and then so the, it was like go and but they let five people on at a time Okay. So we are cause I'm like not the f not a professional. I'm not fat the fastest. I'm quite. I put myself quite far to the back of the line. Sure, sure. 
So it's maybe 10 minutes before we actually get in the water. Right. And then I'm in the water. That's it. It started. It was like, I felt good though. I felt relaxed. Mm. Uh, the water felt good. My stroke was good. Um, the swim was class, man. Really enjoyed it. I've always had the fear of looking at those things where you see 20,000 people jump to like the sea at the same time. Yeah. And the site going, I just think I'm going to get smacked in the face with someone's foot. I'm going to get punched in the face on the way and then I'm going to get trampled and drowned and it's just, it's not fun. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't look fun, obviously, but I mean, you do obviously get injuries with it, but most of the time it's, have you got a good technique? You're fine? Technique's, no, technique's good, but the way they do the Ironman swim starts, or that they do them different in different Ironman, I think, but this one was good because it was a staggered start. Sure. So, you're in a line and as I say, five people in the water at a time, whereas the triathlons are done in London and Brighton, you're all in the water at the same time floating and it's like go and everybody has to go that's when like you're in a crowd and there's feet off your face there's people slapping your feet yeah people sometimes get dunked under and stuff it's not nice especially like the first one i done as i said i didn't have a clue what was going on right. i was rubbish at swimming and stuff that's where my, my breathing went I was panicking but with this one i mean there was two thousand people doing it so it was still a lot of people in the water at the same time. Sure. You still get kicked in the face sometimes. You still swim into people. You still... It's uncomfortable at parts. Uh, but yeah, no, I swim went great. I actually swam 400 metres extra <laughs> by mistake because <laughs> it's really wide, obviously, because there's so many people that need to have it quite wide. But yeah. what happens in open water is you can drift off to the side. So I was like zigzagging at points. So I looked at my watch and I came out and I'd done 4,200 metres instead of 3,800. So I was 10 minutes off my predicted swim time, but then that made sense because I'd done an extra 400 metres. So it was about 10 minutes extra swimming, which isn't the ideal. Sure. But it's not the end of the world either. Okay. So wetsuit off, transition, protein bar, tanner bottle, Lucasade, um banana, I've got my tri suit on underneath the wetsuit, so that's already on. Okay. Cycle shoes on, helmet on. Out you go on the bike. 112 miles. Two loops of 56 miles. Was it at least a mm -hmm. decent ride? Was it, you said it was quite hilly all the way through there? Was it? Yeah, so the first 30 kilometres, so maybe the first hour, it was mm -hmm. quite flat. But this is still really early, obviously. It's started at 7 in the morning, and so I'm on the bike, half 8. So it's still quite early, it's still pissing around. So I had to be sensible because on the flats when you go fast to get your get a, get your time up. Sure. But I'm I'm literally seeing people crash and bikes breaking and stuff already. Twenty minutes in, oh. so I had to be I had to play it sensible, not go too crazy. Uh, but it was flat for the first hour, and then the sun comes out, it dries up, and the hills start in the countryside, and it's brutal. Fact. Roasting man, but good views. Oh, incredible! Mm. Looking around, like Zurich is absolutely amazing in terms of how you know, just as a place, it's yeah. beautiful, man. You know, you look at it, you know, that's, that's part of this training. Like, even training out in Scotland, mm. you're out these training sessions, and it's hard going, honestly. But you look around you and you're like, fuck, this is amazing. Yeah, I'm out here doing this instead of sitting in the house boozing or you know sleeping with a hangover on a Sunday morning, you know. Aye. That's part of the beauty of doing all the training, you know. So, yeah, I'm cycling and I'm looking about and it's just incredible, but it's super hard, man. 
So we go on to the climbs, and there's aid stations every, don't know, maybe every hour or something. You get a, you get hit with an aid station, they're passing you water, sure. bits of banana. As you're cycling, you just need to hand out. You know, <laughs> I've got bottles on my bike. I've got a bag on my bike, which has got flapjacks and gums and stuff in it. Because sure. you need to keep fueling throughout the race. Yeah. Or you're going to burn out with no energy. So, uh, yeah, it's getting tough. My hamstring starts to cramp really bad. My hip goes. So I get to the point, it's just too sore. I had to go off the bike, stretch for like two or three minutes. Helped a little bit, but not really. I was in quite a bit of pain at this point, but I just had to block it out. There's nothing you can do. I'm not going to stop. No. Just had to keep going. So you get to the end of the, the hilly part of the first loop. You're downhill, really fucking fast downhill bit, really fun. Back onto the flat back round towards where you started. Mm-hmm. Bear in mind it's two loops. Right. And you think, end of the first loop, superb. Looking at my watch, good timing. Wasn't the end. You can keep going and then you go into a town. And it <laughs> goes like this. <laughs> Solid climb. The hardest climb of the whole loop at the very end of the loop. Oh my God, that was so bad. Yeah, that was but the good thing was it's a like a famous part of the course it's called Heartbreak Hill if you google it on YouTube so okay. google it on YouTube if you YouTube it uh-huh. there's videos from it there's hundreds of people on this hill there's bands with drums and trumpets and all that kind of stuff all right, okay. it's a great vibe but sure. it's a super hard climb so you get up that mm. and you're fucked and then you're like oh my god and then you're like three and a half three and a half three hours and whatever and I need to do all that again. <laughs> Mentally tough, man. Yeah. Mentally tough. Um, my legs are fucking <laughs> fucked at this point. Did you? Was it easier the second time around going no. and look because you knew what was coming, no. or was it just now? Nah, it was disgusting. <laughs> Bro, it was bad, man. It was really bad. Like you get, like, so you, I get to the end of the first loop, and Stella and Johnny obviously know I'm going to pass that point at some point. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. they're there. Okay. God, Scott, shouting, and that's a great feeling. And Absolutely. then you've got that next bit of flat that I was talking about at the start of the loop. But by this point, it's mid, I don't know, 12, 12 in the afternoon, midday. The sun is like, there's no clouds in the sky anymore. Super, you know, this, the sun's been smashing my neck and my back, my arms, and everything for three and a half hours. My legs are tired at this point, really sore. And then you need to do all that climbing again. And that, so the first set of climbing was hard, but not that bad. The second loop, the climbing. No. <laughs> Awful. Is it painful just to think about Awful, it? Awful, man. So bad. How was your timing, though, for that? So I had to get... I had to finish the swim and the cycle in 10 hours. Right. Sounds a lot. Mm-hmm. Sounds like, oh, that's ages. But, I mean, it's 112 miles with a lot of climbing for someone who's not a great cyclist. So I thought this one would take me an hour and 20, mm-hmm. transition 10 minutes, so there's an hour and a half. And I thought the cycle would take me about seven hours. Right. So there's eight and a half hours. So I thought loads of time. Sure. But the swim went a bit on a bit longer. And then the second loop of the cycle was just so tough. Um, I think I, I think I got there... Like nine hours it took me for the swimming cycle. So the cycle was seven and a half hours. Because there was points in the climbs, I was really slow. See, it's I, like I just reeks of a sore arse 
after <laughs> that's the least your worries man it's <laughs> like it's just the it's the quads and the hamstrings fuck that it's hard man but but I felt it. I felt nah, I felt really bad at one point and I thought I was gonna like just felt like shit no. so I got to the station I asked for that they have bags of salt wee sashes of salt and I asked for a sash of salt and I put I literally ate, ate that with some water and I felt instantly better really? yeah just obviously I'd lost so much salt through my sweat Um. and then you finished the climbing and, but you know this last climb's coming and I've been on the bike for over seven hours and it's just like oh my god yeah so I got over that last climb so I know my bike's made it through the big worry is over. I've made the cut off. My bike hasn't fucked. Mm-hmm. I'm going to get onto the run and I know I can do a marathon within six hours. Right. So I'm, I kind of know I'm going to finish at this point. Good. But, so it's so emotional, man. At this point, I floods of tears. Well, I'm still on the bike, but I got over that last climb and yeah. I'm just, I, I floods of tears, crying, man, with emotion. It's because I know that I've kind of made it through the bit that I thought I might not make it through. Mm-hmm. So just like thinking, because like, I know back home all my friends and family are going to be on the Ironman track or tracking me. So That's I know right. that they're I know that they're watching and I'm like, I've made it past the bit I thought I might not make it past. I'm just overwhelmed. And that overwhelmed happiness quickly turned to sheer pain because my legs were destroyed. And then I thought to myself, I need to go off this bike and run a f- marathon. And that was really hard. That, that Mentally, that was really, I was close to breaking point at that point, just right. men- mentally, because I'd never run a marathon before. At this point, you don't run the full marathon distance in your training. Sure. And I'd never done a marathon like on its own before th- this Ironman stuff. Mm. So I'm running my first marathon 26 miles with my legs and bits, and it's 30 odd degrees. You know, it was really hard. I got off the bike, get my running shoes on, get some food down me, start my run, and I'm just in so much pain. So I start to run down this bit, and I see a Scotland flag, and it's Stella and Johnny, like, look, yeah. yeah. But I'm just not even, like, I can't even smile. I'm just like, guys, I <laughs> don't know how I'm going to do this. I'm kind of jogging, and Stella kind of jogs alongside me, talking to me, telling me, yeah. You see, keep going. You can do it. You can do it. And uh, my f- so it's four laps of ten point something k to get forty two kilometers, which is the marathon distance. So it's four laps of that. So my first lap, I actually do really well to the pace that I kind of thought I wanted to do. Like I think it was just like an hour, which yeah. for ten k, it's pretty good without yeah. the cycle, you know. So I get past the first hour my neck is like so burning though I put sun cream on but I'd obviously not put enough on I'd missed points uh-huh. my neck is really burning so I fi- I'm coming around the first loop and there's a guy who's already finished right and he's got a visor and I say dude can I have, have your hat please <laughs> and he gave me it thankfully so I put his visor on and it covered, your back, covered yeah. my neck and that really helped because the, the burning of the neck was really getting to me and then the second loop, I'm feeling a bit better, like mentally, because I've done a good first loop. Sure. Um, but then halfway through the second loop, man, the pain just got too much, and it was uh, physically and mentally, it's just so hard. I think when you think of what you've all done before at that point with the swimming, 
cycling, that's massively understandable. That's yeah, I'm you're probably not even selling it as much as how bad it was. Yeah, I'm like yeah. 12, 13 hours in at this point. Fuck. Is there a time limit on the run? The, yeah, well, the whole thing's 16 hours. Right, okay. So Ironman is usually 17 hours. But for some reason, because the run is flat, they take an hour off. Because there's some Ironman, there's hills on the run. Right, okay. But this is this was a flat run. Nice which would, which makes sense for pro athletes because they're definitely going to run that faster. But for, see, for people like me who are doing this for personal reasons, who aren't professional athletes, and I'm not a endurance athlete by any stretch of the imagination, I don't really think that just because it's flat, it makes it much easier. No, you know, definitely not. But it was what it was. You know, sixteen hours. So I essentially, I had six hours to run a marathon, which I knew was fine. I knew I was going to make it, but it still didn't make it any easier putting one foot in front of the other. It was super hard at points and got to a stage where I just had to run for three minutes and walk for a minute. Okay. Run, walk, run, walk. It's just the pain was too much. Did you see during the actual event itself people actually dropping out? Uh, yeah. Stuff? Yeah. Um, especially on the bike. Mm-hmm. You see people walking the wrong way with the bike. They've obviously got to a point where they've either gave up or their bike is fucked. Right. Um, Running-wise... I was one of the slower people in the race, you know, cut off 16 hours, took me 15 and a half hours. And I'm finished coming towards the end of my last lap and I'm seeing people starting Mm -hmm. the last lap. So really, are they going to get around that lap in half an hour, 45 minutes? Probably not. No. It's really, it's actually quite sad. Because imagine getting that close. Fucking A. You know, I, I made about half an hour. Because I knew I had, so my last lap, I had, I don't know, two hours or something. Right. Which, 10k in two hours, even walking, you're going to do that. So right. I knew I could walk quite a lot in the last lap, and the pain was that bad, I had to. Sure. And, uh, putting one foot in front of the other in a jogging sense just was at a point where it was just brutal, man. Um, so it was a lot of walking on the last lap, but I knew I was going to finish it. Right. So I was just like, I was, I was in so much pain, but I was so happy. I was like, I'm gonna, I'm getting, it. I'm gonna get to finish the cro- f- cross the finish line here. And this might sound really dramatic, but mm. there was a points in the training. I thought I could die doing this. That might sound really dramatic, but people do die doing these events. People's hearts fail, and because uh, it's such an extreme thing, sure. the heat. I'm not used to that heat. Is it going to be too much for me? someone died in the swim on an Ironman like a month before I went and done mine so people die doing the London Marathon every year True. young fit guys and I've come from a background of being overweight smoking and drinking and I'm like uh, I'm trying to do this crazy event so I'm like added stress you know it was to be, and my dad died of a heart attack you know so in my head there was, I was like I could die doing this mm. like very small, small possibility, but I could. I'm putting my body through a lot, 15, 15 and a half hours of constant exercise. For MDs, a lot, but for someone who doesn't do it as a job and has a history of abusing their body, sure. there was a real possibility that something might go wrong. Did you ever have any professional tell you not to do any of this beforehand? No, I actually had the opposite. Got told I, was o- I should be okay because I went to... Hamden Sports Clinic and went yeah. through a heart health checkup. P- expensive, but I thought it was worth it. Oh, absolutely. Because what happened to my dad. Um, 
and they they hooked me up with these pads and all that all over my body and uh, put me on a treadmill and tell me to start slowing faster and faster and faster and faster and faster and they take all these readings through mm-hmm. your your heart and stuff like that and they send it to a cardiologist and they do checks and everything to see if there's anything abnormal basically so yeah. I think I think the reason some of these people these young fit people you see footballers have died the football pitch and stuff like that yeah Phil O'Donnell from Motherwell happened what five six seven years ago or something. Uh, something like that, yeah. you know and he's 30s f- professional athlete mm-hmm. drops dead during training eh, during a match sounds petrifying when yeah. you think about that it is but you know I Rare, but yeah, think about yeah. the th- millions of footballs all the world, and you know it's a very small percentage that happens, but it does happen. And um, it was funny actually because I, the taxi I got to Hamden mm. that day, got a taxi driver was like, because I was running late, so I was like, I need to get a taxi. So just like today, <laughs> <laughs> so they get taxi driver goes kind of guy in his sixties or something. He was like, "What are you off to Hamden for?" I was like, "Oh, I'm going for a heart health checkup because I'm doing an Ironman. My dad died of heart attack." Blah blah. He goes, "Oh fuck, that's mad." You say that. He says, "In my fifties, I went to the doctor with illness, didn't feel good, short of breath. Right. He sent me straight to the hospital. He needed the guy needed a quadruple bypass on his heart." Fuck's sake, just. Because he felt that he even feel that bad. His arteries were that clogged. He was he was gonna die, but because he went to doctors, f- not feeling good, and they got the the, the surgery, mm-hmm. he's now okay. And he's like in his sixties. You know, it was ten years ago or something, Sorry. and he was fine. So thinking about this, I was like, man, it's crazy that you are driving me for a heart health checkup, and you went <laughs> through that and bonkers, man. Like if he didn't go to the doctors, he probably would have had a, had a, had a heart attack. Shit. At some point in the near future, after he felt like that, crazy man, you know. And this is the thing about life: we just don't know what can happen. And you know, uh, you know, fucking yeah. What what you what are you meant to do? Never do anything in case you something like that happens. It's no, you're absolutely right. You should never put your especially something you're so passionate about as well. Yeah, absolutely. man. It's uh, it's just one of those things. It's like. You know, people say it all the time, well, you could go outside and get knocked on by a bus, and you could, you know, sure. <laughs> you could. So, I was, I, I think I needed to do the check thing just to get away off my shoulders. Yeah. Did that mean that nothing was going to happen to me? No, but at least it was like, well, you are healthy. Mm. You've not got a defunct, default with your heart or like some underlying issue that you, means you shouldn't be doing this. Yeah, yeah. Sure. So, that did help me a, a good bit because I was, before that and training and stuff, it was always at the back of my mind, especially if I felt like. I remember I'd done a Spartan race half marathon, which is like a mountain trail run, half marathon distance with like all these obstacles and stuff like that. All right. And honestly, that like fun? that was just for fun, eh? That was generally just that was yeah. two months after my half Ironman. I just thought I need something else sure. to keep me keep me going here. Um, but that whole race, I felt a tightness in my chest, and I'd conv- I, I'd convinced myself that. Something, Something was wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I kept going. When I made it through, it was fine. But in my head, I was like, this is not good. Something's wrong. Yeah, no, we're really bad at self-diagnosing. Really, really bad for that. Yeah. yeah. I'm terrible for it as well. I feel a slight pain in my chest when I'm sitting at work. And because I think I'm overweight, I don't need to do as much exercise as I need to. If I feel self like pain, I just freeze. And it's a small bit of panic. And you, but then it goes away, and you're gonna like, oh, that's fine. <laughs> but it's probably something I should get checked out. But it's may have just been sitting. If it happens there. regularly, I maybe yeah get it checked. Uh, what, um, it was funny because 
I was getting, I got told about a guy who had a heart attack. He was healthy and stuff. This was before the Iron Man. Somebody was just telling a story. It wasn't like t- doing it to scare me. It was just a story, and I was there to listen. But he had, he got pins and needles in his arm. Mm. He's before the heart attack, and I remember on the run on the <laughs> Iron Man, I got pins and needles on my fucking hand. That was that in my head. I was like, "Oh God!" Good to get heart attack, anyway. Yeah. yeah. Scary stuff, man. Is you know, stick with you as well, stuff like that. You yeah, no. Up on it. Yeah. yeah, it's not cool. <laughs> so, you're in your last lap. On the last the lap. Last leg. It's dark, like <laughs> d- mentally, and you know the actual weather is now dark. It's ten o'clock at night. I've been going since seven in the morning. People have got up, had a full day of work and whatever else, and they're now getting ready for bed, and I'm still training. Two hours of sleep. Yeah, but that's the thing. They always say, like, it's not the night before the event, it's the couple of nights before that, because nobody's going to sleep the night of the event through nerves. So as long as you've got a couple of decent sleeps under your belt, you'll get through it. That makes sense. Adrenaline and the rest of it. Yeah. So the good thing about being shit at it is that the last hour of the event is like party time. Okay. So like you've seen what it's like at the setup with the cross, the finishing the cross yeah, line. Yeah, They've yeah. got the big red carpet. There's a crowd. So now it's dark and it's party time. There's lights and music and the guy on the microphone and all that. But does that help or hinder? Oh, it's great. Like yeah. knowing you're coming into that, it's a, it's a good feeling, man. Um, but yeah, finishing getting towards the last lap was just. Waves and waves of emotion. Um, thinking about you know, I think about I think about that stuff the whole race. Think about my dad, mm-hmm. my way I used to be, what I'm doing, the people back home that are supporting me, people donating money, people on the tracker. It's an emotional, man. You know, yeah. um, the fact I'd made it through, no injuries, well, no bad injuries. The bike made it. All the stress, everything was coming. That you know, four years of planning. Six years of essentially working towards something mm. is now you're getting to the end part, man. Um, and it was just, oh man, can't describe that feeling. It was amazing, but also I was all over the place. I was crying <laughs> my eyes out, man. I was crying. I was running literally full-blown bawling and crying. And bear mm. in mind, there's, the public can just, they're at, you're running along the lake at night. There's, people are sitting drinking wine with a girlfriend and stuff, <laughs> do you know what I mean? And, you're running, but I'm just crying, and I'm much to tell myself, get it together, get it together. Yeah, but so much running through you at that point. Yeah, yeah. Because I remember, like you've probably seen the video. It's like I think the third lap. I'm going up, and Johnny and Stella are filming it, and yeah. I go up to the rail, and my and my head's in the rail, and I'm actually crying. I'm crying at that point in pain, and they're going like one more lap, one more lap, and I'm going. I don't know. I can't fucking move my legs. I don't know how I'm going to do it. I'm in so much pain. Mm-hmm. So to go from that to like. You're approaching the finish line, man. I was like, oof, what a feeling. But when you crossed it? So you get, I get into the thing. So you need to go up a stretch where there's like a, a seats in a crowd and stuff sure. like that. And then you go up and come back down the carpet towards the finish line where they've got the big thing with your name on it and the guy in the mic going, you are Iron Man. So <laughs> I get into the first initial bit and Johnny and Stella are there. They're fucking crying, you know what I mean? They're yeah. shouting, they've got the Scotland flag, you know, this is it, You're, this is the finish. So I see them and I'm just like, yes, we've done it. Mm. I'm like, I called it together, man, you're not there yet. And 
so they run up to the balcony bit to kind of see me over the line and I'm walking up and there's all these people with their hands out as if I'm some sort of famous triathlete, <laughs> you know. Um, and like you need to say, well, you know, thanks to all those people because you've got these people, you've got these people who just are doing this at the goodness of their heart through the whole race. Yeah. They're egging you on. There's people just literally standing outside their house, clapping, going, well done, keep going, you know, and those people make a difference, you know. You've got all the volunteers at the aid stations, you know, without those people, these races wouldn't happen and you wouldn't have anywhere near as much kind of oomph yeah, every imagine. time some random person tells you because you've got your name on your thing and you hear, go on, Scott, keep going. You're like, ah, <laughs> yes, thank you. So I walk up and turn around to come down the red carpet and, like, I just decided to walk, just take it all in, yeah. you know. Literally, people cheering, there's music playing and I'm coming towards the end of this thing that meant so much to me and thinking of my dad and uh yeah it was one of the best moments of my life man was it hmm? i just you see the pictures i'm kind of walking down like that and just kind of like looking around and then i'm crying mm-hmm. you can kind of see that in the pictures but i'm not like bawling crying i can i'm kind of holding it together mm-hmm. as much as i can and then cross the line and the guy shouts, Scott Craig, you are Iron Man. And I'm just looked to the sky and I'm just like, Dad, that was, I've done it, you know. Uh, and then, pff, just dead. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just <laughs> fucked. This guy keeps trying to give me a beer. And I'm just like, doing this because I gave up alcohol? Get away. But he doesn't know that. Sure. And everybody has a beer after and I'm like, he's like, you beer, beer. I'm like, I'm all right, I'm all right. And then he just kept on. And I was like, and my head was all over the place. I can hear Johnny and Stella screaming. And I'm just like, oh my God. And it sounds like a roller coaster. Mental, man. Mental. What a, what a feeling. What a day. Um, I didn't know this, but there was a live video of the, the cross, the finish line. So okay. all the, so Stella had put it out on social media and everybody's watching it. Nice. All my friends, family, they're, wa- they're literally watching me come over the finish line. Uh, that was that. It's done. Amazing. Yeah. So when's Iron Man 2? When's the next one? This is the thing, you know. Now that you've done the goal. Man. So initially, straight after it, I'm like, ah, never again. <laughs> like, this is the best feeling ever, but sure. that was like the hardest day of my life, like physically. Sure. And the six, seven months of training have really can been brutal. It's taken over my whole life. I don't know if I'll do a full one ever again. Mm. That's what I said to myself after it. Definitely do a half, but I don't know about a full. I've struggled since I came home, man. Yeah? Yeah. I've really struggled. The with wanting it to do it more or not just, or I, I, just I, I felt em- I felt a bit empty because um, there's not one on the horizon coming <sighs> I think so man like there's that and there's this thing that I was working towards for years mm-hmm. connecting it to my dad it was like it was something that gave me a drive and a purpose and a passion and something every single day waking up going you work for this yeah i was i was busy to the max every day which can be a bad thing mm. but i don't have it anymore i don't have that big 
thing I'm working towards that I'm like centering my whole life around. Sure. Like my training, my work, my social media, me helping other people through doing this, make my dad proud every day I'm training, all that kind of stuff. Mm. It just isn't there now. I've so I came home and oh yeah, I just I've st- been struggling, man. I'm not gonna lie. So what what's bigger than Ironman? What's like what would be a, a a target that would fulfill that? I don't. This is the thing. I don't know what I don't know what the right thing to do yet is. Um, I don't know. I, it's not a good idea to die. This is what everybody does. Mm. They, they they go through these really tough things. Now whether that be a five k, a ten k, a half marathon, a tough mother, a Spartan race, half Ironman, whatever it is, doesn't have to be an Ironman. Whatever that person's training for. Is hard going. Mm. If somebody's doing the first ten k, that is fucking brutal. Yeah, that's the ten k that they've never done before. The training's hard going. They may be doing it for personal reasons. They're not going to be elite runners, you know. Like my first, I look back at my first Olympic distance triathlon, and I can do that in my sleep now. But at the time, it was the hardest thing I'd ever done. Mm. You know, crossing that line was almost as tough as crossing the Ironman line because at the time I didn't have the conditioning and stuff. So, like you forget about what you put yourself through mm-hmm. and how hard it all was and like, you know, juggling everything because you feel so good at the end, you need that feeling again you sign up again. You do another one or you do the next big one, mm-hmm. which is what I've done for the last three years. Olympic distance, half Ironman, full Ironman, I've always had that next goal. I think it would be stupid for me to just sign up for another Ironman right now or something bigger because I need to remember how hard the last seven months were. True. But also, what I'm coming to realise is that I drank to get away from how I was feeling back then. Mm-hmm. And now, like I got that addiction with exercise, I took it to a level where I was doing Ironman, and now it's not there, and I'm feeling shite, <laughs> you know? I don't feel terrible like I, I I love you know I love work and I mm-hmm. train every day still or most days and I love training but I'm struggling out with that at the moment and that's the honest truth so if it wasn't a like a triathlon or an Ironman what else could you be doing well I don't know I don't know this is what I need to figure out over the next few well I need to figure out um some stuff sure I think um so, I mean, the work-wise is going, I mean, you start off, start off at the small gym in Bath Street. Yeah. And then you've worked up to this, it's like, you know, an archway or not? Yeah, it's like it's under a bridge, under yeah. like a, a, a railway track. But it's big and it's busy and it's constant and it's... Yeah, and I've, it's like, we've got a community in there, yeah. you know, everybody's, we're all pals, all the members of the gym, you know, it's like, you're your friends and mm-hmm. I'm busier than I've ever been coaching-wise. It's all great. So I think that's that is what you're doing between now and the next step is taking these people yeah, of course. on this journey. You're telling people this story, this journey, and that's helping them do their figurative Ironman of course. challenge that they're doing. Like coaching is like as I've always as I said previously, like that is my that's the biggest thing for me because mm-hmm. the training I'm not a professional athlete. I don't I can't I don't make a living off that. Um I'm not great at it. People look at me going, yeah. People look at me going, done an Ironman, but I done it in fifteen and a half hours. But the guys that win it won't do it in eight hours. Yeah, but they're insane. 
That's so that's like that making a living out of eight hours, you know, and then there's me just like just make that. But that doesn't matter, you know. It doesn't matter to me. But what I'm saying is like coaching fulfills me. It's like you know, I get I get to give back. I get to help people the way I got helped. Because if I never got helped at the time I needed it, mm-hmm. where would I be right now? Don't sure. know. And I don't succeed with everyone, which is gotten. Um, but there's people that have generally changed their life. Yeah. Um, or you know, that's what they've told me. And uh, whether that be with weight loss, whether that be with help with their mental health, whether that be with their strength, uh, whatever goal that they've had, cut back on booze, give up booze, to to help them feel better physically and mentally. You know, that's what. It's amazing. That's what makes all. that makes me happy because, like, you know, I love I love helping people. It makes me feel good. Agreed. And what's the best thing about that is, is what you do. It's all intertwined, all intertwined with each other when it comes to mental health, physical health, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. You lose the weight. Everything seems to get better by miles. Yeah. I don't think losing weight is going to be the answer to everybody's problems. Sure. But it can really help. Yeah. Um. Not just. It's not even just like the losing weight. The losing weight is great for health reasons. Being really overweight and having high levels of body fat isn't good for you in a health sense. Sure. You know, that's just that's just a, that's just facts. So in a health sense, obviously losing that weight is great, but then what comes with that is more confidence, more more self belief. Like for me, as I said, dreading summers and holidays for sure. clothes wise. Now I can wear things I want to wear. That's great because that makes me feel good. Mm-hmm. I feel confident. Uh, you know, going on a stage and playing music now, I feel confident going out to the pub because you know I don't hate how I look anymore yeah and that really helped me with my day-to-day life obviously uh but what's more important I think is all the other benefits that come with training Mm. too many people do focus training towards weight loss instead of just enjoying it to sure. get the mental benefits, to get the physical benefits, and what should come with that should be the weight loss. Mm-hmm. If you're eating well and stuff, which obviously you should be getting guided on as well if you're working with a coach or something. Absolutely. Um, and that should be a byproduct of this healthy, physical part of your lifestyle. And I think that's where more that's going to change people's sure. mental health and. Uh, happiness you know um it's like the full package we don't again it's just not all about losing weight it's a really important part of it if you want to if you want to feel more confident and look mm-hmm. a different way um but too many people focus on the weight loss so then they lose a bit of weight and they stop doing it yeah going to put the weight back on mm-hmm. whereas if you find a love and passion for training you train because you want to. You yeah. train because you love it. Because you know it's going to make you feel better mm-hmm. when you walk out that gym at the end of it. See, I think that's why I was... And that's where we need to go. So if, yeah. so if you if you hate running, mm-hmm. do not run <laughs> to exercise. Because <laughs> sure. you're not going to enjoy it that much. You're going to f- probably feel fucked after it, feel sore, hard to recover, yeah. maybe get injured. And stop. If you pick a form of exercise that you love like lifting yeah. or hit training or whatever it may be boxing it could be anything cycling you've got a bike there if you enjoy it 
you should make time for it mm. because you want to. And if you make time for it because you enjoy it, you can keep it going. That's why I, so a big, big reason why I have successfully got in good shape for being overweight and kept the weight off because before when I used to go in the gym, when I was trying to lose weight, I was still boozing and stuff like that, I would just do anything that would burn calories, mm-hmm. like a cross trainer or a bike or a rower. Right. And yeah, I felt good because it was exercise, but I didn't love it. It was like a grind. It was like, ah, and now we're on a cross trainer. Fuck, <laughs> you know, yeah, but yeah. I need to do it because I need to lose weight. But when I started, when I went into the gym and started lifting weight, I loved that. I loved that feeling of getting stronger. And I loved seeing my body change through the weights. Mm-hmm. And that's what that's why I kept. That's why I never gave up. Obviously, stopping drinking was like the main catalyst for being able to continue on. But sure, but this helps. This yeah, finding the train, part. finding that training that I absolutely loved, kept me going. And now through that, I've went through just weights to then triathlon to weights and triathlon. Mm. Now I'm doing like more of a CrossFit style training, okay. which incorporates strength, fitness, flexibility, mobility, functional movements, all in the one. Mm. And I get to do all the shit I love in the one workout. Like, I get to run, I get to heavy lift, and I get to do some sort of cool gymnastic type thing. Cool. And the one workout, mm-hmm. and I'm getting and I'm getting all all the kinda all of those training benefits in the one workout. And that's and I love that. So I even though I've been training for six years now, mm. I thinking about training every day. I'm excited to train. And that's why I that's why I do it because it's very easy to come off a big event like an Ironman and have this feeling like I do kind of feel like lost and empty, yeah. and just fucking not doing. But because I love like I'm not going like I'm going to be honest here, right? Mm-hmm. See the last few cycles that Ironman training, the big long ones. Yeah. I fucking kind of don't ever want to look at my bike ever again. <laughs> it was so hard, uh-huh. so mentally tough. There was no way I was coming back from that Ironman and then going out for a 40-mile cycle. No chance, because I wasn't enjoying it by the end of it. No. But because I love the CrossFit style training, I'm buzzed to get back. I had, I had to take two weeks off after Ironman to let my body recover. Sure. It was horrible, because I wanted to get in the gym and move and feel good. And I love training. I love doing it every day. That's why I do it. Whereas if I just kept to the Ironman stuff and I'd felt that way I would probably have taken weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks off and kind of struggled mentally to get back into it sure does that make sense yeah no absolutely absolutely yeah we've got to find what we enjoy because there's no point in just doing something because you think it's what you should be doing everybody defaults to running when they go to weight loss See, not no, so much now but I think I did that when I first started but afterwards I was just like no I don't like the it's not efficient to lose weight if you're overweight sure because it's going to be hard you're going to be, you're going to, you know... At, Puts you off. More than yeah, of course. Yeah, like, yeah, if yeah. you go out for a... F- I'll go and do a 5K. 5K is tough if you're not a runner. Yeah. <laughs> you can't just go out and run 5K. You're going to f- feel like shit. So, it'll put, as you say, it'll put you off. Mm. Whereas... Diet, massive part. Sure. Ma- like, you can't lose the weight without the diet. Even if you're training like a demon. You need to be eating well. Yeah, that was always my major downfall as well. It was food. Because my food diary was awful. You say that, like, I remember mm. you was, you got the muscle food yeah, deliveries yeah. in and stuff and you were having good lean protein and eggs and... I think if you stick to that... Shakes absolutely. and stuff. Yeah. Shakes and stuff. Shakes. shakes and stuff. And, man, when you were on it, you were good. And mm. hence why the weight fell off you. True. 
but it was when you were. I, I remember times when I'd see you after like a long night shift, or whatever. You'd be drinking beer, oh. like rewarding yourself with beer and stuff like that. And that's when it can start to go a wee bit kind of tits up because you know it's it's not just having one or two beers. It's not going to ruin your diet, but it's the maybe after effects of having those couple of beers because you maybe not going to eat that well after it. No, definitely. Uh, your baby's going to affect your sleep. You're not going to feel great the next day. Mm-hmm. Your appetite, because you haven't slept well, your appetite's going to be different. You're going to crave junk food. Yeah. Yeah, no, I still do. But it's very motivational. I hope so. Very <laughs> motivational. No, it is, because like I said, you see, we've seen the before pictures. We see how it is now. You've just beaten an Ironman. Something bigger and better is probably going to come out. Of, you're probably going to post a project on Instagram <laughs> relatively soon. Of We will see. Well, I don't know, cross Continent uh, runs, whatever you guys. Well, are. I think I think the future. I definitely like. I love my CrossFit now, and CrossFit is competitive. There's competitions. You've probably seen the CrossFit yeah, Games documentaries yeah, yeah, on yeah. YouTube and Netflix. So I think uh, some of those people are insane, though. That's like, the standard I would yeah. love to get to. You know, as I say, these guys are strong as fuck, mm-hmm. but they're fit as fuck. Yeah, and that's what I want to be. I never want to be strong as fuck, but can't run. I want to be functional. I want to be able to be. So you don't want to get to like the bodybuilder size. You want to be still be. Not at all. No. Does not interest me one bit. It no. did back in the day when I first got into lifting. Right. Because that's that's what I got taught and it's all I looked at. The bodybuilding magazines, mm-hmm. the Instagram models. I just wanted to look like them. I just wanted to be massive. I wanted to be shredded all the time. Sure. And that led me down actually a bad path with because. I was trying to be too lean, but trying to train really hard. So I wasn't eating enough, but trying to train crazy. Sure. My relationship with food wasn't great at that point. I was like eating really well, but not enough probably, and then binging and stuff. So it wasn't great, and my training sucked because I wasn't eating enough. Mm. Whereas now, I don't care about that stuff. I don't care about... I want to look good, but I don't care about being shredded. Yeah. I don't care about being the massive... Um, I care about performing well. I care about being able to lift heavy, but still being able to go and run a 10k just because I want to. Sure. You know, and through living like that and doing that style of training, I've kept in the best shape I've ever been in. Without, I still eat. I eat well. Yeah. But I get to eat a lot of food because my training burns a lot of calories and because I'm on my feet all day. Whereas before, I was like restricting food like fuck. Yeah. I'm trying to train really hard and heavy. Just wear yourself feel yeah. much shit. Yeah. Whereas, you know, like, 40 minutes to an hour of CrossFit, I burn a lot of calories. 40 minutes to an hour of just lifting weights, not burn many calories at all. Right. Okay. See, I thought lifting weights did. Yeah. Burns calories, obviously. But no one But not that many. Because you're not really moving that much. You may be doing, like, moving your arms up and down, lying, sitting. Mm-hmm. So CrossFit's the way to go. Not for everyone, if you enjoy it. (laughs) For someone who wants to be stronger, but also fitter, Mm -hmm. and then get in better shape and be more functional and have good mobility and stuff, I would say definitely it's the best way to train. For someone who just wants to get massive, no, it's not. For someone who just wants to look a certain way, no, it's not. But each to their own. There's loads of different ways to train. 
but I think I've found the way that suits me best mm-hmm. and that for what most of my clients want suits them best as well because most of my clients at the end of the day want to be in better shape yeah. they want to be healthier that ticks all those boxes sure you know and if they want if they say they just want to get stronger then we'll do strength training okay uh, but if they tell me that they want to lose body fat they want to look better and they want to be healthier then I mix it everything's where we're at fair enough so I'm going to see you like a Netflix documentary soon about crossfitting and whatnot. I doubt it, man, because uh, those guys are just on another planet, you know? Yeah. Crazy, crazy feats. Even mentally. Yeah. There's a few of them that are just... Just crazy feats of strength and endurance. Um, but next year, so, there's, so there's, there's competition for CrossFit for those who aren't at the very, very top level. Sure. Because you'll go to a CrossFit competition and they'll be scaled, which is guys that guys and girls that are maybe not as fit, not as strong, but still want to compete. Mm-hmm. And then they've got intermediate, which is the guys that are pretty good. That's maybe where I would be right now. I'd probably be intermediate. Okay. And then you've got elite, which is guys that are so strong and so fit. I'm not anywhere near that level yet in CrossFit. Okay. And it'll probably take me a good while to get there. So I think, yeah, I think like competing in CrossFit is definitely going to be something that I'm going to do maybe next year. Sure. Ironman in the future, I don't know, not anytime soon, full-wise, half-wise, definitely. I would. I, I want to be at a stage where I'm fit enough to just do a half Ironman just if I want to. Just for fun. Yeah, just like, there's a half Ironman next month, I'm going to do it. Right. I want to be that, I want to be there. Something you don't have to overly train prep for. Yeah, that's you exactly it. You're already in that peak position. Which is, again, why CrossFit is great, because right. it keeps me fit, as well as working on my strength and stuff. Uh, and what I found through the Ironman training is a big big love for running you know love it more so for how it makes me feel more than cycling yes <laughs> cycling's great when the weather's like amazing and you can get a good route that's not too hilly because I said I hate hills they're so sure. hard uh, and if you can get like a cycle path where I can get some tunes in because obviously I can't listen to music on the roads and stuff cycling's quite dangerous as well mm. you know you could fucking get smashed by a car at any point yeah. fall off when you're going really fast I do enjoy cycling, but as I said, it was getting to a point where I just wasn't enjoying it that much. Sure. Uh, but running, I just it makes me feel so alive. It makes me feel high. Yeah. In all honesty, it makes me feel fit, really fit. Because I used to suck at running, mm-hmm. uh, and then the last kind of year, my times have all got so good for me. Not yeah. in general, like. I know people would still smoke me on a 10k and stuff like that, but I got PBs for 5k, 10k, 15k, half marathon, all in the six months of Ironman training. Um, so I think maybe running in the future, like a like big uh, feet of running type thing. Okay. And I enjoy. I love the swimming as well, so I don't. I'm not going to give that up completely either. Cool. Just want to be an all rounder, man. I want to do, do everything <laughs> all the time. But that's perfect. As a coach as well, that's something that's good for other people to see. Yeah, I like 100%. to I like to lead from the front and say like, you know, I would n- I would never be telling someone how to live their life a certain way if I couldn't follow it through myself. True. You know what I mean, I've dieted, I've lost a lot of weight, I have gained muscle, I've done endurance sport, I know how to get stronger. Mm. I'm not the best at any of those things, yeah. but I'm good at all of them. And when it comes to helping someone do those things, I feel I'm pretty good at it because, A, I've been there. I know their struggles. Mm -hmm. I know they're not fucking lying when they tell me that 
they just couldn't face going to the gym or they're too tired I'm not one of these guys who's like just suck it up and just do it you just don't want it enough like I'm not going to say that to them Mm -hmm. there is times where I need to be firm and go look come on you need to do better here (laughs) it's continually not happening but I understand that you know shit's always going to get tough and people aren't always going to be 100% on it and there's going to be times where they eat shit at the weekends and have the blowout nights with Mm -hmm. booze it's going to happen I understand that it's working that into yeah you you can't do it all the time and expect good results agree Um, but yeah I feel like the fact that I have kind of done so many aspects of fitness and I've failed at a lot of things as well you know I've tried I've tried things and sucked at it but learned from it and got better at it like that first triathlon like you tell that guy who could hardly get out the water that he was going to do an Ironman five years later told you haha no chance I can't even do a 1500 metre swim without dying never mind the whole thing but I learned and I got better I kept working I never gave up and I got there make it work made it it happen man anything you want to do we can make happen but the question is are we willing to sacrifice certain things because you can get in good shape Mm -hmm. really good shape by still having a good social life and eating out regularly and having some drinks and stuff like that but if you want to be, if you want to do something that's like more elite and a bit and more crazy, then that sacrifice has to come in. Yeah. Like I had to prioritize sleep over going out, over Netflix, over playing my PlayStation 4. Mm. I had to choose good food most of the time. Even though I'm like, I've burned 5,000 calories today because I've trained for five hours. I can just order Domino's because I would feel shit the next day. True. And I had to train the next day. So I had to eat good food eat enough, not under eat, I had to track my food every day, I had to drink enough water every day, I had to stretch so I wasn't too sore, I had to get massage every two weeks, a lot of money, I spent so much food, eh, money on food this every single week, intense. but that's the truth yeah. of it, mm-hmm. so again, I'm not going to sit here and say everyone should do an Ironman, because they shouldn't, because it's too much, <laughs> you know, and i done it, because I wanted to, and right. if someone sits and goes to me, I really want to do one, then I'll say, go for it. But I would never say to somebody, I think you should do that because it'll make you fitter because it'd be too much. Sounds like it would be, for sure, 100%. But could anybody do a sprint triathlon? Of course you could. Oh, eventually. You could. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you. Man, I saw guys at the Ironman who were not in good shape mm-hmm. do it because mental strength mm. is one thing and they still obviously had the physical fitness even though they probably weren't eating great yeah. they still put the work in and if some of them are getting better times than me <laughs> fair enough I suppose now you're right mental that's half the battle it is for endurance it's the it's the most important thing alright so you were heavy you were thin you're now bulked lean you've done the Ironman when are you getting the band back together <laughs> that's, that's you know Dude, nobody like does that much that they would be worth the effort. That, I don't think that's Like true. you look at Flutter Red and they have come back oh. with an album anniversary and they've sold out Glasgow, sold out London and they've got two like nobody like does that much we could do that. We could maybe play a Glasgow show in a small venue and get a handful of people. Mm. It'd be fun but but that gig was like like that for me the acoustic one so it's playing like starting line hit the lights yellow card sure. newfound glory early november that nostalgia from the youth from the songs that we all loved yeah. um 
and uh, that was that because I hang on to that a lot man I yeah. I reminisce it's literally what my, I think my YouTube playlist is it's just like drive through records yeah. type era of stuff and whatnot. yeah yeah I, yeah, yeah, I still listen to that music it still makes me very happy it can make me sad as well because it reminds you of times of when mm-hmm. you were younger that maybe weren't so good or that they were that good that you miss like the band stuff I miss it like fuck like you know playing a gig and boozing I fucking miss it man really miss it uh, it's yeah it sucks sometimes that that's <laughs> not my life anymore Um, or that you know I see you, I, I'm, 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 I go to the pub with my mates and they're getting on it and they're getting drunk and merry and then I go home to sleep so I get my eight hours and they're going out to the cat house to party and have a good time and I'm like I wish I could do that but then I wake up and I go and do the training that I love and I feel great and they're dying the next day I hang over and who's so who's feeling better at that point I'm always making the right decision for me yeah yeah um, and I can never go back there but it doesn't make it easy and it doesn't make me not want to do it like I spoke about it on the podcast with Jordan the other day like I walk past pubs daily to go to and from work and mm-hmm. I look in when I walk past and I crave yeah. drink I crave to be in that pub boozing and just not giving a fuck about my health or whatever but that's what led me down a very bad path to feeling a very fucking bad way so it's never going to happen I'll never do it mm-hmm. but those thoughts still exist but that can be healthy that can be that balance you haven't totally just shunned it away it's, it's there it's but you can say no to it and you can walk away and go to the gym go to work that's I built too I built too much like with, the, with, the, with the business and my health and my fitness to to throw it all away because that's what I'd be doing it's never going to happen but yeah but that's the thing like that's where I can sit and say to someone who's making the same mistakes of like come on I feel that as well I feel the want as well yeah. but I can I can say no and use that frustration and that negative thought in my training mm-hmm. to make me push harder, to make me more determined to then get better results sure. and to f- keep the head right. I'm not saying all my problems are gone and I'm happy as Larry 24-7 because right now, as I said, I post Iron Man, it's not how I'm feeling and uh. struggling with some stuff. But if I was boozing, totally different, different story. And I wouldn't tell him that he stopped drinking mm. that has a control on it because you don't need to. But someone's drinking to excess constantly, mm. blacking out constantly, spending all their money, doing shit they regret, feeling like shit all the time, being depressed for days after, mm. affecting their work, affecting relationships with people. has to stop, man. Yeah, I need help. It has to stop because you don't have to be drinking all day, every day to have a problem. That's what a lot of people think. Oh, I'm not that bad because I'm not drinking every day. Doesn't mean you've not got a problem. Doesn't mean it's not got a hold on your life. True, and clearly it does. Yeah. What if what, what would happen if that person who says they ain't got a problem because it's not happening every day, like a alcoholic, mm. suddenly fucks up at work because of booze mm. and loses their job? What happens then? Do they then drink every day? And it's too late. That's what would have happened to me, I think. If I, I, as I said, I always managed to hold down my job. If I ever lost my job, 
my attitude would have been, I'm a fucking dick. Fuck this, I'm worthless. I would probably, I would probably would have went to prison all the time, and then who knows from you know who, how you're gonna get another job. Or, so it's like, uh, that's how John lost his job. Booze. At the time, mm-hmm. he's pulled it together back now, but you know it was too late for him and that, and when it came to that job. He's had that incident this time. He's had that. He's had that rock bottom of fucking up so bad that he had to stop. You know. You ever thought running across deserts? No, it's too hot. <laughs> 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 I'd rather run across. I don't know, mountains. Or ah, something not too tropical. Yeah, yeah the heat really makes everything so much harder. I remember going out a five k and f- well, I was going to do a ten k in Florida once, mm. and it yeah. was nah, it was five five k and I stopped. It's too hot. I love the heat. I love the sun. I actually prefer the summer for training and getting outside because I love the sun and sure. I love that warm weather. But when it gets to that point where it's so hot, oh man, like it makes everything so much harder. But it does feel better. I mean, waking up. I remember starting Ironman training in January and there was snow and stuff. It's just like fuck <laughs> off. Like I still went outside. Loved uh, every minute of it. I did in the end but it's that getting out that's the hard bit and that's again that's where people fall back because it's that initial getting there that's the hard bit too tired weather's shit it's cold it's rainy blah blah it's that. but once you're there everything's fine it's like you get into it and you feel good mm-hmm. but it's just the initial it's the f- what is it they say getting the hardest part of the gym is going through the front door or something like that absolutely and that's where if you fix that get hence you know get a coach that's well, the thing like that's where everybody needs accountability well, most people need accountability mm-hmm. that's where so many people go wrong they refuse to admit they need help they don't want to spend the money on it whatever it is but for most people that's what it, that's what it's going to take to get you to the next level because 100%. see if you don't have MD answer to it what's to stop you from getting those takeaways every weekend or yeah. going out and getting pissed it was literally coming and giving you my weight sheet every day. It was just like, oh no, I can't do that because that'll fuck that up and yeah. then that'll be a negative. And it's, that was the old, probably the only reason I lost weight is knowing someone was holding me against it at that point. And that's 100%. what I'm talking about at the very start of the podcast yeah. with training. You train with someone else, you work harder because there's somebody there pushing you. It's mm-hmm. the same with the diet. If you have issues with food mm-hmm. that you lack control of eating the right things, eating too much, eating junk food and boozing too much, whatever it may be, yeah. if you lack that control, you're never going to fucking change it on your own. No. Unless something like really bad, like for me, something really bad happened in my life and that was a catalyst for fucking changing everything. Sure. But even then, I still got a PT. I got a coach for my Ironman training. Mm-hmm. And I eventually sacked him off because he was not doing what he was supposed <laughs> to be doing. But I got a coach because mm-hmm. I wanted that accountability to somebody to answer to. I would have done it myself, but I thought better to answer to someone because no. there will be days where I wake up and can't be asked no fair enough so accountability is so important it's like a month's coaching for most people is the same as a heavy night out or a new pair of shoes exactly well, yeah. what's more important do you know what I mean and I think that's what I've kind of realised recently that is you don't have to prioritise that even if it just comes down to money that is yeah you're absolutely right understand that some people it'll be tight money wise they can't afford it but if you're a full-time job making a decent wage, probably you can't afford it. Yeah, like, and those few sacrifices you make, like that takeaway every other... Yeah, of yeah, course, man. Like, when I, you know, I, I go out with my pals, 
And I'm like, how much money have you spent tonight? I'm like, £100. That's a f- almost a full month's coaching with a good, with a good coach. Yeah. You know? Uh, I rarely buy fancy like clothes and trainers and stuff like that because I would spend my money on food, good food, like training stuff and you know, if I'm buying shoes, it'll be new training shoes and stuff right. like that, you know. That's just how I choose to prioritise my spending. I guess on yourself, like your well-being, your whatnot. Yeah, no, it makes yeah. so much more sense. Yeah, and it's just yeah. like, if I even counted up how much money I spend on coffee a month, mm. I could probably cut that back, make my own coffee, yeah. and afford whatever, el- whatever else I could to improve my coaching work or my, my own training or just to like save for a holiday or whatever, you know whatever it may be yeah i know that there's something there that if i need to i can cut back on i'm stupidly spending money on there's other things as well i get a lot of sports massage quite expensive mm-hmm. but it's not necessary right it's great mm-hmm. it does me a world of good but it's not like i go i don't need to go as often as i do okay so i could just go okay i'll go once a month instead of twice a month but it's it's good but, I'm jo- but yeah. while I've got the money and I can afford it, I'll do it because like the amount I train, it, it helps sense. me recover and stuff. Awesome. But again, that's but that's like 40 quid. Or if I go for 90 minutes, 55, 60 pound, that I could spend on an expensive meal out. Mm. Yeah. But I'd rather get the massage. That might make me boring. But, but it matters to you. It yeah, it does. It, you, does yeah. it does matter to me. All right, Scott. You got 30 seconds. Oh, no. Okay, you got 30 seconds. Somebody's in my position. What do they do? Do they go to the gym? Do they find a PT? Do they lose weight? What do they do? Okay. They need to figure out their why. They need to understand why they're wanting to do it. Okay. Because that's so important. Mm-hmm. You need to think of the reason that you've got yourself into the position of wanting to change mm-hmm. and never forgetting that. Because okay. when times get tough you need to remember why you started and why you're doing it. After that, yeah, it's a case of find, as I said, find what they enjoy. Find out what works for them, whether it's weightlifting, whether it's CrossFit, whether it's powerlifting, whether it's running, whether it's triathlon, could be anything, but figure out what you enjoy. Mm-hmm. If you don't know how to do certain things, if you don't know how to eat well, get help. Get professional help. Because that's the difference between sticking to it and doing it the right way or lasting mm. a month or two and then going back to old habits. Because most of the time with diet, it's just that people don't know. They True. think they're doing the right things, mm-hmm. but they're just doing it all the wrong way. They're sacrificing, they're cutting out too much, making it too drastic a change, telling themselves they can't have certain things, oh, that's bad, that's bad. As mm. soon as they have that one bad thing, the whole diet's wrecked and they go on a binge and it stops. Whereas it doesn't have to be like that. It's a lot simpler than that. It's not easy, but it's not as hard as what people would think. Mm. And the biggest thing for that is if you don't know what you're doing with training or diet is to get get help off a professional. And enjoy what you do and keep doing it, man. Never give up. Like, I know it's probably over 30 seconds, but never just gi- a bit, but it's fine. Never give up. And I say that, I don't mean that in the sense of just saying it with no context. Yeah, yeah. I mean it as in like, we're all going to fuck up. We're all going to have bad weeks. Mm. We're not going to go to the gym. We're not going to eat well. Don't carry that on for two, three, four, six months a year. 
Yeah. I know, I know pals who have went to the gym for three months, got good results, stopped, and they've not went back in a year. Right. Plus, like, why? They all, you know, they enjoyed the training at the time, but when they get out of that habit, it's just too comfortable and easy just to not go. Yeah. But if you have a bad week, don't make it two weeks. Just get back on it. Like, mm-hmm. don't give up. Keep going. As I said, why did you start? Is it because you want to live longer? Is it because you've got kids that you want to be healthier for? Mm-hmm. Is it because you're single and you want to look better for for the other... The other for anyone. <laughs> for anyone. For what I said there. For anyone, because that's okay. Like That's a valid reason to train if you want to look better. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, you need, you, you need to remember why you're doing it. And just never give up, man, and keep going. And if you're struggling, get help. That's very inspirational. That's my advice. Well, and if there's, last bit, uh-huh. if there's things in your life, like you know, deep down you know, is stopping you. Yeah. Whether that be alcohol, mm-hmm. junk food, drugs, cigarettes, people, certain people, mm. find out how to get rid of that of yeah. your life and watch your life change. If I had just continued to tell myself, I'll cut back in the booze, I'll just drink less, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be sitting here talking to you saying this. Mm. I had to admit that I couldn't do it anymore at all. And as soon as I'd done that, my life changed. Just Forever. as you're honest with yourself about it. That's it. Alright. Buddy, it's been a pleasure. Thanks, man. Thanks no, for having it's, me. On. It's good to hear like the full the full thing and then right up. Oh, I've not kept you back too late. I've got, I've just, no, it's alright. We're the only people here anyway, so it's fine. <laughs> yeah, Thanks, buddy. No, I appreciate that, mate. Um thank you for listening. If anyone was, that'd be awesome.